0: A story, topic, or have any other inquiries, please email submit at skibanewsnation.com. Also, you can email Jeremiah Skiba personally at jeremiah at skibanewsnation.com. Also, email Jake personally at jake at skibanewsnation.com. If you want to write us a letter, send us something, help support us, or just say hi, please send your letter to Jeremiah Skiba, P.O. Box 560271, The Colony, Texas 75056. If you write us a letter, I'll do my best to write you back. Hey Skiba News Nation family, thank you for watching. Please like, share, subscribe, and click that notification bell so you never miss an episode of Skiba News Nation. If you want to help support us, please consider becoming a Patreon where you will get exclusive content, shout-outs, and much more. And you can also support our channel by getting yourself some new Skiba News Nation merch. Thank you for coming on this journey with us as we continue to stay on the quest for truth. Huge shout-out to all our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do this show without you. If you want to help support us, go to patreon.com forward slash News Nation. Also, you can listen to Skiba News Nation podcasts on your favorite podcast platform.
1: what it costs.
2: I want to know what the truth is. And I hope that people, my son, anybody, if my name comes up, whether you like me, whether you agree with me or not, at least you can respect the fact that he's on a quest for truth. He's on a quest for truth.
3: Welcome to Skiba News Nation bringing you unfiltered views, news, interviews, discussions, and more. And now, here's your host, Jeremiah Skiba, award-winning musician and son of Rob Skiba.
0: Hey Skiba News Nation family, welcome to episode 60 of Skiba News Nation, your weekly source of the latest news, controversial topics, conspiracies, forgotten history, and so much more. I'm your host Jeremiah Skiba and today we're going to be talking about direct energy weapons and the truth about the Maui fires. Are death rays shooting from our skies? BRICS currency, Project Sandman conspiracy, warnings of upcoming pandemics, Alex Jones on aliens, the firmament, sky ice, and the dome, On All-New Opus Corner and for History, we have a very special exclusive interview with Gene Odom, best friend of Ronnie Van Zandt and was on the 1977 plane crash that Leonard Skinner was in. Memes and much more, so stay tuned. Now as always, I'd like to introduce my great and insightful co-host, Mr. Jake Grant. What's up, Jake? What have you been up to?
4: Hey, Jeremiah. Oh, we just made the journey out to Missouri. This weekend, we're going to be at the Bertaria Times National Festival. Uh, with uh, some of uh, the Owen Benjamin fans, fellow fans going out there. Sierra and I are going to be selling some fruity fizzy sodas. And my band Simply Prodigal is going to be playing uh, on Friday at the festival. So we're really excited about that. So we just made the trip out to Missouri.
0: Sweet, man. Man, I wish I could be there. But you're going to have to take some good footage for me. Share it with us next week. Yeah,
4: man, we'd love to have had you to join us. But, you know, it's a long trip all the way from Texas.
0: For sure, man. Well, you got some great news stories I heard today, so I'm very much looking forward to that. So, you ready to dive right in?
4: All right, man, let's do it. Let's do it. So, like always, I want to start off our new segment with some inspirational memes, right? Get our minds right. Uh, here's a good one. Uh, The fallen tree in this picture refused to die and instead grew four more trees out of itself. This is what happens when you don't quit. And uh, I like to look at our society today as we see all these stories we're about to share this week. Uh, Whenever a society crumbles, it's an opportunity to build back bigger and better. Uh, So don't give up, even though it can be kind of discouraging whenever we see what's happening in the world today. Uh, There's an opportunity to do something fruitful in the uh, absence of a working system, right? So build a better society outside of the B system is kind of the answer. And how you build that system and make it work, you know, uh, here's a, a great little picture frame meme or whatever that people have in their houses that, you know, ties to this is, you know, God is still writing your story. So quit trying to steal the pen. Trust the author. So when things happen in our life that we can't control, uh, as long as our focus is on the right place, growing our own spiritual walk to growing our family, protecting what's important, then all the things that happen are just directing us towards something that's more beautiful. And, uh, and so we got to use these opportunities as the, the truth is exposed to grow and not to become depressed and, and frustrated at what we see in the world. Uh, so uh, here's an interesting one. We're going to start off talking about what's happening or happened recently in Hawaii. And this meme is, uh, I'm seeing no Hawaiian flags on people's profiles like I did the Ukrainian flag, right? <laughs> well, I guess the news didn't want anyone to do that. <laughs> so it's kind of like over the past year or two, we've had all these like Facebook profile meme pictures where everybody's like, oh, I support Ukraine, or oh, I support what you can call it, but the moment something happens on our soil, on American soil, right, fire takes out uh, uh, a city in Maui, uh, people are like, oh, you know, let's not talk about the alternative perspective. Well, uh, some of these videos I'm about to share are really going to have you thinking, Jeremiah and, and our audience, you guys check out this First video. We have a few on this topic. There's something more than meets the eye with the Lahaina fire. And uh, check out this first clip. Look behind you. Insane. Whoa! Did you see that? Now this is off us? the beach. Did anyone else see that? And a lot of people are talking about directed energy weapons being used to start some of these
5: fires. Hi. Look at this Jeremy. Windy, I mean, is and crazy. There's a flash. And I think that's oh, when a
6: tree's falling on a power line. The, the power goes
0: out, our generator kicks in, the camera comes back online, and then the
6: forest is on fire. What
0: the heck is that? These
4: are just electrical wires, look like they're lighting up. It's like the a beam. Can you see that laser bolt? Yeah. That was crazy, man. It only gets deeper from here, but keep watching. It's pretty crazy Look what started these fires, and now we. So uh, at the very beginning of that clip, you could see a crazy, what looks like a Star Wars laser beam shoot across the sky. And uh, it brings up the topic of directed energy weapons, which was brought up during the California wildfires in recent years. Uh, But let's ask the question first before we get into this uh, topic of... The alternative narrative of these forest fires on Maui. Uh, Here's a possible solution to why could there be a motive to start a fire uh, and some other cities around the country that also seem to have random fires burning down parts of their industry to to make room for a new smart city uh, development plan. So check out this next video.
7: Let's take a look at some of the fires that's going on. Pay attention. These are all the fires that's going on right now in America. We're going to go through a lot of these and I'm going to show you what's going on in these states and why there's fires. In Texas, there's a fire around this area, which is close to Austin. Live from Austin, Texas, the Smart City Challenge. There's fires in Washington. Lawmakers from Washington State push for a smart city bill in Congress. What's outside of Phoenix, Arizona? Scottsdale. City of Scottsdale, smart city strategic roadmap. Wildfires in New Jersey. New Jersey smart cities working group. Fires in New Mexico. Smart city planned in New Mexico. Wildfires near Portland, Oregon. Smart cities planned for Portland, Oregon. Wildfires in Florida. Smart City initiatives for Orlando. Wildfires in Mississippi. Smart Cities Plan for Mississippi. And this isn't just happening in America. There's fires in Greece. Smart Cities Plan for Greece. Y'all I could have gone on and on with this, but I think you see the pattern.
4: Wow! That's crazy. Yeah, so that's interesting how the smart cities are going to be plopping up right where all these fires are burning down old infrastructure uh also that video reminded me of your segment from a few weeks ago about the hand tattoos jeremiah (laughs) she was like hand tattoo hand tattoo point hand tattoo right so anyways Mm -hmm. uh, i thought that was funny but yeah is that the reason that these maui fires burned down lahaina and check out this next clip which is a uh a, a video of a car bursting into flames uh, from what appears to be a government directed high-energy beam that shot from space and is this what's being used to start these fires check this next video out
0: Mm-mm. Mm-mm. no thank you
4: so it looks like a, a directed energy assassination attempt um, after it plays once, we can play this video again, but... to play this video again, Opa. Is this a lightning
8: bolt? Uh...
0: No.
4: I mean, there's tall buildings around, there's telephone wires, No, there's no, there's no thunder. There's no right. thunder. Exactly. It looks like a laser beam from space, is what it looks like. Uh, pretty, pretty interesting. And this is what... We, I think we saw at the beginning of that first video where we saw that laser beam shoot across the sky. Um, that's what it would look like if it, you know, shot a car.
0: No way. I'm sorry. No way. That's not lightning. The car wouldn't that's be smoking think, like that. The, that car would not be smoking. Lightning bolts hit cars all the time. And it doesn't do that. It doesn't do that.
4: So, uh, anyway, hope is fascinating. This, <laughs> this shows us that this technology absolutely exists and it is being used for, uh, you know, micro assassination attempts. Like, it's it's less collateral damage than a bomb, right? You could just laser beam somebody and they're turned into a pile of ashes. Well, you know, uh,
0: uh, um, so, uh Tesla was building these weapons he had the technology or he knew how to do stuff like this but they they buried it so i don't know if it has any connection to oh, yeah. nikola tesla but i find that very interesting they were called death rays
4: absolutely why do you think that the united states is trying to put so much money into space force right mm-hmm. the alien agenda recently is motivating congress to fund billions and billions of more dollars into Space Force, right? And if they are using these high-altitude satellites or whatever uh, in this type of warfare or in this type of machinery that can, like, shoot lasers and, you know, whatever, whatever the true nature of these laser beams coming from the sky is, the fact is is that it makes it even more plausible that they're being used to start these fires for uh, evil agendas. And um, perhaps we should listen to the eyewitness testimony of people who lived through the fires. Check out this next clip, which is survivors of the Lahaina, Maui fires, uh, talking about how they don't believe the official narrative either. Check this
9: out. We've, uh, we've lived on Maui for 14 years um, on the west side for most of that time we run a landscape business here try to be environmentally safe no uh, no roundup none of that junk we have we have four kids yeah we all lost everything yeah, we have each other but we literally everything I'm wearing everything we're wearing is, is, is loaned to us by the by the grace of of friends and family and just random people all
10: the all the food we've eaten all the hospitality we've been shown it's it's all been from our community mentioned today in the speech anything from fema or red cross that you've directly received that you're aware of i have
9: never yeah i've never heard from them or or i've never personally seen anyone from any governmental organization at all i've seen them on the news but i've never seen one or, or heard from any of them so it's all been just the amazing spirit of of connectivity that 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 maui's brought the homes we all bought years ago were already kind of the bottom of the barrel probably so to speak just dilapidated and stuff and then we've all put just years like in our house we put eight years of of love and effort some technical issues here in the war zone but essentially it's all sparking yeah really good point we hear it on the media a lot this being called a wildfire natural occurring almost kind of and i'm just telling you right now that's just absolutely untrue the
10: moment that we start to prove not prove excuse me provide reasonable doubt that this was not a natural disaster, then the burden of proof is on the state to prove that it was in order to call this a natural disaster, because that the attorney general of Hawaii has already uh, done some kind of a lawsuit against the state of Hawaii or the governor. I don't know the details of that, but if anyone's listening to that, if you're an attorney or someone that can help us, please let us f- figure out what that means. And is it is it real or is it some kind of uh, strategy? All right,
9: yeah. continue. You know, we knew, we knew there was a fire early on and we have some friends who are firefighters too and then we and then we were told that it was all handled you know that was what nine in the morning or something or the 100%, Fire 100 percent contained yeah, yeah. so, so, so that now was... we
10: now we knew so if anyone has a screenshot of that they actually went back to sleep because they had a long night working yeah. so anyway screenshots of that would be fantastic that it was communicated to the residents that it was 100 okay, percent contained absolutely. nothing to worry yeah. about there it. we
9: never had any signal on our phone as far as so no, no cell service the whole day, right. so blackout blackout, and just gale force wind, so it was hard to talk yeah. to even neighbors, right, because it's just, you went outside and it was this feeling of you're going to get something on your head, I didn't even know that there was a chance for that kind of wind, you know, it was kind of shocking, it was well, like, it, was in the news, it wasn't right? something nobody even knew, we, we were like baffled at the wind, and uh, we had heard that the fire department had waited on the original three acre fire for five hours just to make sure it was contained, even after they said it was contained when they eventually went back to the um, fire station to kind of regroup all that, within 20 minutes they were full force called back to a fire that we now know of is the one that really burned the city down. They got called back kind of mysteriously and they were baffled. Like, where was this fire near? There was one of the a household shed that was on fire that kind of was out of nowhere. That was out, out of the fire zone and it was on fire. So that was interesting. And they were kind of like, how did this, now this thing get on fire you know a lot of there's a lot of people that lost their lives down there a lot more that they're not telling us yet unfortunately there are a lot of people that didn't make it out of that original section and i think we'll start hearing about that slowly those cars and bodies were moved without any yes.
10: investigation Crazy. and it's uh, and we're also hearing about things that refrigerators and things that were there that were removed so there's a lot of tampering that happened is it the reports that we're getting so it's important that we create a video and photo evidence so again go to archive.org and please upload that yeah i that. Like, that's a serious serious fire serious. that's a it didn't look like a brush fire to me at that no. moment because it was a large plume of smoke at 10:30 in the morning wow. so i'm always confused when people say oh, the, the, the wildfire was put out Interesting. And, and then right after the containment 9 o'clock containment, right, 100%. Right. A massive, massive black fl- plume of smoke. And I came home and said, honey, there's something going on. Yeah. Well, thankfully, everyone has got an iPhone or an Android that they documented that. Mm-hmm. But we definitely need to prove or, or create a reasonable doubt that there w- was caused by a fire yep. and also to submit that and to save that on a hard drive or put it on archive.org. True.
9: I, mean, I heard that all the fires on Maui started within like a minute or two of each other. Um, which is really interesting. It seems statistically impossible,
10: yeah, no, you know, totally
9: and, especially for a wildfire. That's right. been this way for 14 years. We've gone through countless fires. It's like, so what's what else is going on? And all the wind, I get, fighting a fire in the wind must be absolutely horrendous, but fighting it without water is the thing that's so bizarre. It's impossible. So what do you know about out. that? Do you know? Do you, have you? Yeah. From what
7: you, well, you know, we also debated... Um, evacuating, but we couldn't because the road yeah. directly below us, the cars weren't moving on that. And we also had a city bus directly in front of our house, which city buses never come down our street. Mm-hmm. And he was idling outside of our house for in,
9: in traffic. two
7: plus hours. Yeah. So you have like, a gridlock outside Yeah, of your we, house. Couldn't
9: we couldn't go anywhere anyways, even if we wanted to leave really? earlier. But with the wind, it was so crazy. It's like, we can't go anywhere. All the stuff's just going to get blown out of the back of my truck. down no camp or anything. Right. And then we're just sitting there with the kids, like, what are we doing here? So we went back inside. Used a propane camp stove to make dinner and hung out there and and kind of were stuck basically even in all of our neighbors too and what was it nine thirty maybe yeah, yeah I don't think that's true above somebody on a bullhorn something the kind of out. in a panic which is unusual to a normal evacuation would be like you know evacuate now evacuate the premises it was it was like evacuate now like yelling and driving fast like you was kind of just barely heard it but could tell someone's yelling at a bowl. this was about 9 30 at night Yeah, about 9 30 at night i was in bed with her she was yeah yeah. Our kids bath, were sleeping. and i dozed yeah. off
7: and i got jolted awake by hearing something way up in the hill saying basically yeah. get out
9: immediately we got out of the house and left all the stuff we originally brought unfortunately <sighs> in a panic now we're kind of like yeah right. i couldn't shoot let's not let's not hang around here anymore and we started realizing early on that the neighborhood was it just like we thought it was. We, you know, we heard explosions all night long. Apparently, all the water was down, so we come back to a 1950 concrete home raised right to the ground. I mean, just rubbles.
11: Did you hear what she said? The only reason that they got out was because they happened to hear someone drive down the street really fast with a bullhorn. Now, don't you think that that is the job and the duty of the gentleman to sound the sirens? This is not hard. This is A plus B. Is it not his job? Go to Sirens.com. All hazard siren systems can be used for a variety of both natural and human-caused events, including... Look right there, wildfires. So what if that person wouldn't have drove down their street? Be honest. You could tell those people were genuine. What if? How is all this devastation possible? Everybody who wants to truly do something, it's very simple. If you believe that the man responsible for not sounding the siren led to more loss of life, if you believe that and you were there in Lahaina, all you have to do is write down a short set of facts. This is it. Where you were, what time, and the location. You woke up. I heard a bullhorn outside. Someone yelling. I was able to leave at this time. I believe if those sirens were sounded, they would have led to less loss of life. And I believe it's criminally negligent for not sounding the sirens considering it is for wildfires and then you put MauiSirens.com, print it out. You can use that as your evidence. I believe it is his duty and his obligation and the fact that he failed to do so led to more loss of life. Now, just because they're all stepping down and running away doesn't change the fact that what they did was criminal. And when you start to see it as a whole, like the water's cut off, it just, nothing is making sense. Nothing is adding up and it's time people get held accountable so we can work up the chain. So people can unite and take their power. That simple affidavit, all it requires is this third party formally certifying that they were present when the affiant signed. Whoever is writing the affidavit is the affiant. An affidavit is just written statement of events exactly as they happened, that the affiant beliefs is true you see how easy that is now if you mix up in a lawyer that might be hard and i can guarantee you no government attorney is going to come and do anything about this this literally has to be done by the people as you can see how the government's treating the people and what they're doing it's pretty obvious pretty coordinated And the people are suffering at the hands of the government that's what the videos portray and these are just the facts that we can all see the whole world sees what the government is doing in Maui hindering supplies and I truly believe that this is the spark because whenever you saw the government block their supply routes they didn't give up they unified and they found a way and that's how they've been able to get supplies in Maui it's not the government it's all the locals that are doing it that's who's doing it they have unity here they may have been under heavy attack here, you know, with the COVID measures to try to break people's morale, to try to break people's thinking for themselves and standing up. But they haven't broke their unity. They haven't broke their aloha spirit, which creates creativity, which gives them the ability to move around. And I really, really believe it's here. And that's why, that's why I don't give up. Have you seen the fires in Canada burning all the indigenous land? All of it, like a lot, massive fires in Greece, massive, massive fires. There's it's, it's everywhere right now. It's like how they did the lockdowns, but it's fire everywhere. Create the problem so you can implement the solution. What you have to look up is this. Governor Josh Green, Agenda 2030. Go read this article. It was a press release by the governor. Not a story written about him. He put the story out from his office. This is the you'll own nothing and be happy. State Nationals rock.
4: How surprising, man. What what do you think about these uh, recent fires and, and what the government seems to be perpetrating acting like nobody can figure it out?
0: I, I just think it's it's crazy. I just think, you know, it's exactly... I don't know if, if I can even say this or they might ban us on YouTube, but it was a direct energy weapon. I mean, I've seen clips of, like, like a map and them showing that these, like... Uh, there were like so symmetrical, these dots that were starting these fires. And I don't know if that was in California or Maui, Maui, but it's definitely not caused by wildfire.
4: All right. So, I mean, who's so surprised that there are agendas that are going on that don't have our best interests at heart? It, I mean, it's not it's not that surprising, really. And when we look at the level of technology that exists and that the government has access to, and how the government in a very blatant way is politically charged, is pushing through these WEF agendas, these just like these new world order agendas are obviously playing out all across the world. And, uh, and so when we see stories like what happened in Maui, these forest fires and how it ties in with these smart cities it really makes you start to scratch your head, like, okay, well, uh, what what is the point of the government and what role are they filling? Is it for the powers that be to continue to constrict control over the world populace? Well, uh, there's this recent video that was shared by Anchor Bear, who I'm, I'm excited to see play and perform at the Bear Fest coming up this weekend. Uh, if you guys wanna, if you've never heard. Uh, they got some great tunes to jam out to on Spotify. So Anchor Bear created this video at the start of the pandemic, and it breaks down some really interesting concepts. So check out this next clip. So uh, with with that topic, uh, I wanted to go into uh, a couple interesting stories. Uh, here's uh, one I just wanted to cover briefly uh, that is significant timetable-wise. Uh, there's a hurricane headed towards uh, Florida right now. Uh, tropical storm idalia and apparently um cars may stop working mid evacuation due to a fuel contamination issue uh which is really interesting uh so uh there were uh around 30 stations that were given faulty bad fuel and uh and so as people are trying to escape this hurricane their engines and cars and uh, generators are going to likely stop running. Uh, so the, uh, the interesting story there is uh, this is going to, as of uh, Monday morning, it says 33 counties along the coast of Panama to Fort Myers were under an emergency declaration. And uh, it's approaching the coast uh, as of late Tuesday. And this is happening right now as we're recording this. So it's like they disseminate all this spoiled fuel and people get trapped as they're trying to flee and escape. Um, But that was just an interesting story that popped up on my feed. Uh, This next clip is uh, some panic over rice export ban. Uh, And this is some footage from Dallas, Texas in your area as people are trying to get as much rice as they can before the export shuts down uh, this import so you guys live in dallas have you noticed people getting lots of rice off the shelf or anything jeremiah
0: not not here where i live uh I mean, I went to the store the other day and there was, there was a lot of rice. Uh, it could be closer to the city. Uh, we're kind of out of the city, but, um, yeah, I, uh, my girlfriend showed me one of those clips and we kind of looked at each other like, why don't they just come by where we live? <laughs> Cause we got plenty of it, but.
3: It could be where most of the Asian population lives in the Dallas Fort Worth area
0: yeah that's
12: probably true
4: oh perhaps that's it yeah maybe they're just not shopping at the right stores that's why all, everybody's panicking because they're going to the, the store near uh, the, the Asian neighborhoods in downtown Dallas where everybody's like only eats rice all the time I mean, my family's one of those we love eating rice so we would be freaking out if uh, everybody was buying our rice up oh no what are we going to do <laughs> um, but uh it's just an interesting clip. I, I wanted to see if you could verify it for me. But it might just be some uh, some cessationalism. Um, here's a next video that breaks down the wage and income and price disparity between the boomer generation and gener- Generation Z, uh, comparing 1970s to 2023. And we wonder why so many people in our generation, Jeremiah, Yours and mine uh, feel so stressed in today's world that I wanted to get Opa's take on this if he could verify some of these price differences. So let's check out this next video.
8: 1970, the average home was $15,000. It is now $436,000. It has gone up 29 times. Rent was 108, is now 2000. That's gone up 20 times. College was 500. It's now $11,000. That's gone up 20 times. Gas was 36 cents. It's now 380. That has gone up 10 to 12 times. But what about the income? In 1970 the average person was making $9,000. Today they're making $56,000. That has only gone up 6 times compared to everything else. But here's where the this is where it gets sad. In 1970 the average household had 3.5 children. Today it's only 1.9. And the crazy part is that back in 1970, the average household, 47% were dual income. It has now jumped to 65% is dual income. So millennials and Gen Zers under the household are putting in more hours than the boomers did. We're both working 40 hours a week, but you got way more bang for your buck and more children. You got to expand your family, own a house. Things are so drastically different. The birth rate is plummeting because people can't afford it. So we need to make a change so that we can turn this around.
4: So what do you think about that, Opa? I mean, uh, the, the amount of money it costs to live in today's world is so different than like the 1970s. And uh, I mean, we wonder why everybody's so stressed out, rioting in the streets in these big cities.
3: Well, uh, actually it's even, it was even less in my time because uh, you know I'm, I'm back from uh, right after World War II. And so, you know, price of gasoline was really cheap. We had gas wars that got got it down to a nickel a gallon. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, When I went to college, I paid like less than $200 a semester. Uh, I don't know about the price of a home, but because I wasn't interested in buying a home, but rent was, uh, you know, like a couple of hundred bucks a month for uh, like a three-bedroom apartment. So, yeah, the prices are, have really skyrocketed. I'd like to see a, a half of a kid or, or a point nine of a kid.
4: Yeah, how does that work? Do you just birth the arm or a leg and call it good or what? <laughs> Uh, i guess it's average uh, you know of course but that's funny to think about how how did how, how do they have a half of a kid that doesn't make sense <laughs> uh so you know i thought that was really interesting and i just wanted to share uh how much it costs to survive in today's world and, and while it's such a blessing to be born into this time and this location i mean compared to other countries in the world uh there seems to be a fast approaching end to the life that we call blessed here in the United States and so this brings up the uh, the topic of the BRICS nations and an interesting uh, topic called the project Sandman conspiracy to annihilate the US sovereignty uh, with their dollar collapsing and whatnot so let's check out this first video which is how the BRICS nations uh, the United States Uh, uh, versus Putin, China and all these other places uh, how in a a very short period of time the power of the world stage could very quickly flip-flop Check this out. In 24
2: hours, Putin and China will change everything. Yes, tomorrow, a BRICS lightning bolt will shock the Western hegemony that's been ruling the world for decades. The Western media is totally ignoring the story, by the way, because they don't want to admit what's about to happen. Goldman Sachs, though, understands it, and they believe that by the year 2050, the BRICS nations will dominate the global economy so on tuesday yes tomorrow the BRICS summit officially kicks off in south africa this is the first face-to-face BRICS summit since the start of covid and we are about to witness a rebalancing of the world order the agenda items at this summit are massive the currency yes a new currency trade military cooperation ai microchips oil all of it infrastructure rail lines shipping this is a big big deal and the united states I guess didn't get an invitation. The British didn't get an invitation. Germany isn't welcome. Is the game over for the Western hegemony? Well, the writing is on the wall. Now, for those of you that don't know, BRICS stands for Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. And it started out small over a decade ago, and now it's become the greatest threat to Western power that we've ever seen. And I'm not talking about military power here, which we'll get to in a second. I'm actually talking about economic power, oil power, computer power, trade power, the greatest weapons of all, not those bombs. Now, the top of the agenda is the United States dollar, squarely in the crosshairs. Here's how Foreign Policy Magazine headlines this moment. A BRICS currency could shake the dollar's dominance. The de-dollarization moment might finally be here. Really? Is it true? After all, talk of getting rid of the U.S. dollar as a reserve currency goes back to the 1960s. Here's the New York Times in 1968, talking about France trying to separate itself from the U.S. dollar. Yes, French President Charles de Gaulle versus Lyndon Johnson. That's how old this is. That's how far back this goes. This isn't new at all. But now we are at a tipping point. Brazil's president, Lula da Silva, says that every night he asks himself why all of these countries have to base their trade on the U.S. dollar. Can you imagine every night before going to bed, that's the thought that you have? what well, he does. Well, now they don't. A gold-backed currency that stands as the backbone of a new BRICS currency is being rolled out in earnest. Brazil, Russia, China, India, South Africa, trading oil, computer chips, minerals, and settling those transactions in a reserve currency that has nothing to do with the U.S. dollar. All of the previous meetings of these BRICS nations have been leading up to this moment in South Africa.
0: BRICS countries are home to more than 3.2 billion people, around 40% of the global population. None of the bloc's members is in the G7, the group of seven advanced economies. To increase its influence, BRICS is considering bringing new members into the fold. Just look
2: at the trade between the BRICS nations. There's a massive financial surplus. The BRICS nations have a trade surplus. Brazil just hit a record trade surplus. So why would they want to settle these transactions with US dollars? Doesn't make any sense. Meanwhile, Europe's trade deficit has hit a new record, nearly $500 billion trade deficit. Which side would you rather be on? Of course, this isn't happening overnight, and there are big impediments to a BRICS currency. The biggest issue right now is that if Russia wants to import things from other countries that are not named China, they'll likely have to settle it in US dollars if they want to import those items. But what if more countries want to join BRICS and ditch the US dollar. Then there's safety in numbers, and the number of people you're doing imports from are part of your BRICS conglomerate. In fact, other countries are noticing and beginning to join. At this summit, Russia and China are expected to approve the new applications of a bunch of new countries into BRICS. Algeria, Bahrain, Egypt, Iran, Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, just to name a few. They've all submitted requests for membership to be a part of BRICS. And the Turkish government has expressed an interest in joining the group. Those are just a few of the names. But wrap your heads around this one. More than 40 other countries are now vying to join BRICS, 40.
13: Samita, what are you hearing about just how much bigger BRICS could get? Well, we've heard from leadership here at the BRICS, uh, this foreign minister's BRICS summit, that at least 19 countries have expressed either formally or informally interest in either joining the BRICS grouping or even uh, having involvement with the BRICS Development Bank, which really is aimed at investing in the global south in developing nations to boost their economies. And and this is one of the reasons that BRICS is becoming increasingly attractive to developing nations.
2: Mm. BRICS now accounts for 31% of global GDP. And just a few months ago, they overtook the United States and the G7 nations for GDP dominance. Goldman Sachs, once again, won't have to wait until 2050. It's already happening. Beyond a gold-backed currency and moving away from the US dollar, one of the biggest stories of this summit in South Africa is AI, generative AI. It's one of their top agenda items. They're holding many meetings on AI this week in South Africa. BRICS wants to dominate AI. And who do you think will be the leader of the AI revolution? China. China China. announced that it wants to become the global leader in AI by the year 2030. They made this very public pronouncement. And I don't know if you know anything about China, but they are a communist country. And when a communist country makes a public pledge like this, it's all about prestige. So they must make it happen to save face. Yeah, there's no, ah, we missed our target. They have to make it happen. Surprisingly, this was already well-known in Washington, D.C., at the Pentagon, in fact. A major threat to America, China becoming the dominant player in AI. In fact, an Air Force cybersecurity whistleblower warned the Pentagon two years ago, said that we must make AI a priority or China will crush us. Here he is. His name is Nicholas Chalen. He warned everyone. No one listened to him. He saw what was happening, and because no one paid attention, he quit in protest. He quit because he thought it was impossible for the United States to compete with China on AI. In this article, he says, quote, We have no competing fighting chance against China in 15 to 20 years. Right now, it's already a done deal. It's already over, in my opinion, he said. Chalin went on to say that the AI capabilities and cyber defenses of some government departments were at the kindergarten level, he said kindergarten. He recently said that China has kids as young as seven years old starting on learning AI and machine learning. Seven years old. He says the United States doesn't stand a chance unless it doesn't get its act together.
8: Interesting to see that China is not uh, wasting that kind of time and then are waiting uh, for us to figure it out. And they're taking this very seriously, including uh, having their kids starting at seven years old uh, be trained on on AI and machine learning. So when you start paying that kind of investment and really the Uh, The the understanding that uh, whichever country is going to be leading AI and ML will be controlling the planet.
2: Let me repeat what he just said. Whoever leads in AI will rule the planet, he said. The BRICS nations, getting rid of the US dollar as a reserve currency, build a new trade and military security and infrastructure alliance, and dominating world's AI. Europe and the United States are shaking in their boots, and they should be. This week in South Africa is going to be a game changer, we'll be watching it very closely here on this show.
4: So very interesting how the world order is shifting uh, and how these BRICS nations are pushing so heavily. Uh, some of these interesting topics we've studied over the previous uh, couple episodes, such as the advancement of AI tech, uh, central bank digital currencies being established to create this alternative currency to uh, the U.S. dollar. And, uh, of course, whenever we look at uh, this next video, we're going to see that there is a active conspiracy uh, going on regarding the uh, undermining of the American Western world order. So check out this next clip.
14: Okay. So you Project, brought that up yesterday. Yeah. yeah. So Project Sandman. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read this a little bit. I'm just going to read something here. Project Sandman is a coordinated attack planned by the BRICS countries on the United States. The kill shot is going to include a coordinated sell off of at least two plus trillion dollars in treasuries, which will collapse the United States debt market, followed by the stock market shortly thereafter. These events will freeze the U.S. economy and obliterate the value of all fiat U.S. dollar denominated assets. Uh, Most of the trigger conditions for Sandman trigger have already been met one of them was the petrodollar advocation basically saudi arabia no longer requiring the dollar for uh, uh to buy oil another one is basically uh, tensions between the united states and russia and china uh with the outstanding requirement would be an operational BRICS reserve currency um basically once the BRICS reserve currency comes online then all of these things get met and all this all this all these treasuries come back in the United States and the, and and it happens like on a Sunday night and then Monday morning, our way of life as we know it is over.
4: So overnight, our way of life could be over as they implement some of these, you know, plans to empower these brick nations and destabilize the U S dollar. And uh, apparently it's called project Sandman. So I, I don't know. You know, uh, if you guys want to do some extra research, perhaps look up that terminology. But this is all very interesting timing. All of these world events coming together to stir the waters as we're entering into election year. Um, there was a really interesting clip uh, that Owen Benjamin recently put out and uh, in, in how the public sale of a company is comparable to what we see uh, in terms of the control of countries. Uh, so check out this clip from Owen Benjamin talking about how, uh, the privatized nature of countries really does influence, uh, why these agendas are being pushed forward. Check this out.
5: So election time is here and people are going to freak out and they think it matters. It, It truly doesn't matter. And I'll explain in 1913 the United States went public as a corporation. For those of you that don't understand what a public company is, it's they start sh- selling their shares to anyone that wants to buy them. In the Amer- in America, in the United States of America corporation, that would be called treasury bonds. And right now our number one holder of treasury bonds on the board of directors is the government of China. All right, you understand how that works, so A private company has actual sovereignty. It can do what it wants. It's more like a monarchy. A private company like Kohler in America is a very powerful company. The richest people I know are private companies. So there's a family in the town I live in that owns all kinds of agriculture, crushing and hauling rocks, meat processing, all that. I could easily see their assets being in the billions. And it's just, a family, and they're very humble and very cool people, and no one can buy stock into the company. They own it, they make the decisions, all right? Then when a company goes public, like Sony, Warner Brothers, Walmart, AT&T, Verizon, anything that you can buy in the stock market, when you buy a share, you're a part owner of the company. Now, that's like one billionth. You know, if you have one share of AT&T, you don't exactly get to be on the board of directors but but you are a part owner of the company. That's why when you go public, the owners of the pub, uh, company get so rich, but they lose all control. Same thing happened in the United States of America with the creation of the Federal Reserve in 1913. Think of it as a country going public. Okay, so, it, so a, a lot of uh, wealth came out of it, quote unquote wealth, but that's because it was selling shares, treasury bonds, to the rest of the world, anybody that wanted to buy them. I could buy treasury bonds. You could buy treasury bonds, but uh, to, to get on the board of directors, it's very, very expensive. Okay, so what is the president of the United States? The president of the United States is the CEO of the company called the United States of America. He or she, hopefully he, is uh, does not own it, it, no control, nothing. CEO. The CEO answers to the board of directors, okay, the shareholders. And so it truly does not matter. So the the election, the voting, one reason why they're getting so flippant with it, and I see a lot of truthers talking about how, like, oh, they're rigging the election. There is no election, ever. It's a poll. It's a poll. Imagine um, Best Buy takes a poll, like, as you're shopping, they say, uh, fill out a survey and tell me, did you like Gary, the new floor manager? I'm not exaggerating. That's what the president is, and that's what voting is. Ever since 1913, a lot of people have a hard time understanding this, or, you know, but it, it it's a fact. Ever since 1913, your vote has no, doesn't mean anything. It's a It's a poll. I mean, you can even tell that because of the Electoral College, because of the state, the way it all works, your vote doesn't, it's a poll. It's to see how the customers are feeling. That's it. And that's not cynical or black pill. It's an absolute fact. So America went public. So a nation would be a private company. So like, let's say you have Luxembourg or I don't know enough about foreign, a lot of foreign companies. I know most of them are public. North Korea is a a family owned uh, nation. OK, North Korea is a family owned nation. You look at some of these uh, Saudi Arabia, the uh, United Arab Emirates is uh, private. It's a private company because it's owned by the so- the House of Saud. OK, they get to make the calls. They own it. And then the people benefit from it because they're all shareholders in it. Kuwait, every Kuwaiti gets eight hundred thousand dollars a year as their cut. Of the oil revenue because they're all owners of their own nation. America is not that. The United States went public in 1913 and allowed the entire world to buy it. Okay, with that comes the the perks of a public company, but you don't you you are not a shareholder of the United States of America. You're a citizen. A citizen is a uh, in certain aspects is a slave. You know, you can leave though. It's consensual. You have free will, but that's how slavery always was. You know, the the Hollywood movies of you being whipped and held in chains is not reality, but you are an indentured servant. The United States of America as a corporation sells your future labor in the form of taxes. It sells it in shares to anyone who wants to buy it. Other sovereign countries, that want to buy it in the form of treasury bonds. Okay, so when you vote for president, you're taking a poll to see who your favorite managerial CEO is for a company that they do not own. So when people talk about, you know, voting and he's going to change that. Okay, the president can no more change the country any more than uh, a manager of a regional Best Buy can shut down Best Buy. It's that it's that ridiculous. Um, now they can affect culture, but it, not. I mean, it's guys. It's not, It's it's not anything. You know, if you wanted to take control of America, you would start buying its treasury bonds, like what China has done, or what other, um, you know, what other groups have done. So that's what the Federal Reserve is. The Federal Reserve is going public. That's what it means. So I hope you found that interesting. I promise it's not a black pill. I don't, I don't like to refer to myself as a slave. Uh, I pay taxes. I pay property tax, but it's so big that we can be owners ourselves and have really great lives. And it's not like this tyrannical situation. In fact, when you're in a public company, they're always trying to maximize comfort and, and efficiency, you know, they're, it's, this isn't tyranny, okay? But you don't have a say in how it's run because you don't own the company any more than it's a survey after you go to the post office and they say, did you like your service? Fill this out in the bag. So again, I know that you guys like to get pretty jacked up and juiced up and squirt all over yourselves uh, when it comes to election because you feel important. Like you pick... The future of america i promise you don't now if you want to actually change america you get productive you change its demographic you you know and then you start looking into other governments from the past and again this isn't an endorsement at all but what does national you know there's socialism and then there's nationalism and then there's social national and national so okay so how would a company go from being public to back to being private Or how would a company fight to stay private when there's forces at work for it to go public? If you've watched the show Succession, that's a very good pop culture way of looking at what a public company looks like. The board of directors voting on the CEO. The customers are not voting on the CEO. They're taking a poll, okay? Private companies have the most amount of wealth, in my opinion, that's why I love private. I would never go public with anything I create, you know, and some of the richest people I know, I don't know if I've talked about this in this video. It's getting a little long, but, um, are humble people that have private companies, I know some that are literally billionaires and they can, and they make all their calls. They don't have to answer to a board. They don't have to answer to shit, you know, and, uh, and it's amazing. And those are the best nations. You know, are the ones that don't sell out. Don't go poll. That's why it's called selling out. Okay? So this election year, don't get too stressed out because I promise you it does not matter at all. Zero. Not one bit. You're voting for a manager at Best Buy, but you're not even voting. You're not even deciding. The, the Electoral College decides. You're taking a vote or a poll to see if you're satisfied with your manager at the Geek Squad. <laughs> All right, much love.
4: All right, so uh, I know uh, we, we, you know, there's different perspectives on the election system, but more so what I was trying to show with that video is how our country is for sale uh, by all of these other interests around the world and, and our citizenry and the view of the controller types, the Bilderberger groups look at the human populace as just uh, numbers. And, and that's why they're okay with perpetrating all of these crazy evils on mankind, whether it's the pharmaceutical experimentation of medicines and drugs and chemicals in our food. Um, they truly don't care about the everyday person. What they care about is their wallet. And the love of money is the root of all evil. And so when something's up for sale, then the people who love money can buy it to make more money. And that's why the political game in in Washington, D.C. is so swamp-like. That's why there's so many swamp creatures. That's why there's so many conspiratorial uh, uh, things happening in terms of Ukraine and the Biden administration uh, having America for sale. And then we're seeing these things like, all of this money being poured into Ukraine funding these worldwide uh, agendas, pushing the NWO. And yet we don't see money being poured into places like Maui and support uh, this country, these people versus pushing all of our taxpayer money out into the, the rest of the world. It's it's really interesting to see uh, kind of the dichotomy there. And, and that's why I wanted to bring it up. But with that said, uh, in the terms of, uh, control, uh, (laughs) there's a really interesting video from Washington State that shows, hey, uh, there's some interesting things happening, uh, in terms of, uh, the next wave of possible control, facial recognition, mandates, and control, and we're going to show here a video of, uh, a a facial recognition entry system that was recently implemented and how it might tie into a new push for the next wave of Vs. So check out this video.
8: Please look at camera for entry. And if you stand on the shoes, and look into
3: the, the screw, right? if we get the
15: green light, That'll
16: open the door for me. Oh, stand on his shoes?
4: (laughs) Hmm. What did you think about that, man? Now now they have facial recognition entry things. That's crazy.
0: I saw another video of a lady. She couldn't make a purchase without uh, doing a facial recognition. I don't know if it was where it was, but that's pretty crazy.
4: Oh, yeah. It's it's insane, Uh, you know, some of the ways technology is being used and can be implemented in the near future if more medical tyranny comes into place, and that's why I want to share the first part of this next video, which is the warning that, hey, there might be another uh, pandemic on the way. Watch out. Check this next clip out.
13: Now, while we were away, we had a new strain of COVID and a plan for a new And in fact, in just the last few hours, Corrine Jean-Pierre says we are going to be pushing a new starting in September. Um, I didn't have time to get that sound bait, but great. So let's look at what we've got to deal with. Now, the CDC says that this new variant is more likely to infect you if you got the previously. Wait, repeat that. Uh, I'm going to show it to you. This means that if you've been for covid you are more prone to be infected by the new strain of covid this is effing crazy you guys it's the craziest thing it is on the cdc's website and i'm going to show it to you so many people are going to wonder why 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 they do that why are we take that vaccine? meaning we're going to get the I'm next one but more likely um so hold on to your hat now here's the president on vacation in lake tahoe saying he has asked congress to fund a new with your taxpayer dollars Mr.
3: President, can you say anything about the uptick of COVID cases and new variants? Yes, I can. As a matter of fact, I signed off this morning on a proposal we have to present to the Congress a request for additional funding for new <laughs> that is necessary, that works.
10: And tentatively, not decided finally yet, tentatively, it is recommended that, I would like to be recommended that everybody get it
13: okay i apologize i don't remember that being quite so inaudible who knows they, what they the love heck to do mumbling
2: they love to do interviews by like an aircraft carrier or like a you know, right ha- like but a he's jet.
13: also so indiscernible um yeah. so
2: but i can paraphrase if you'd like uh he just said yeah he just authorized this morning additional funding for a new yeah
13: vaccine, a
2: new covid from your federal government
13: okay so, oh, so as we're an Am-
2: paying for this one too i guess yes yeah.
13: let's talk about that let's talk about as an american taxpayer you may not want to pay for this thing given that the original vet- did not do what they promised it would do and proved to be more dangerous than we were told uh but recall that the last at least we made some money back uh because the last use patents owned by the National Institute of Health or the NIH and Pfizer and Moderna both paid big bucks to license those patents from the U.S. government uh we found that out when we found out when Moderna fought not to pay quite so much so whether or not you want a at least it may be a good ROI on your taxpayer investment who cares if it works or hurts people right? Right. Uh, Given that we are being told that COVID cases are on the rise, at least we'll, you know, make some money back. Um, Now, there's no way that anything that comes out of big pharma is going to be fully approved. We know this. The last COVID were only ever given emergency use authorization. And even now, RSV and postpartum depression drugs are fast-tracked through FDA approval, so zero chance this will get full clinical trials and full, uh, full approval. We've discussed those recently at length. Um, if you haven't seen those where we go over the RSV and the postpartum depression approvals, I recommend you re- refer back to them so you know the standards with which modern medicines are approved. Um, so about that new variant, here it is. It's called the BA.2.86. Uh, this is the recent CDC warning about it. Now, I highlighted this at the bottom. Let's just zoom right into that, right? BA.2.A6 may be more capable of causing infection in people who have previously had COVID or who have received COVID-19. What? People who have had the are more susceptible to BA.2.A6. What the actual you guys (laughs) i'm sorry that's
4: kind of convenient because you got your that's your demographic those are the people you want taking it anyway so it's like hey you already took it so you know
2: yeah right Taking it it again take it this time we're really going to get it right
13: yeah i'm sorry i said the s word it's my birthday so please don't send me an email about it i'm just going to take a privilege um but that feels like a subterfuge don't you think why would we trust them now the original may make you more susceptible to new covid um it you know did more harm than they admitted and you can still catch and spread it even if you take it so what i give up
2: roland roland in our chat roland dustin says redacted that was the plan that was the plan all along Right. Makes sense. Right.
13: And we were warned that new variants would adapt in order to get around this. We just, you know, made fun of people who warned about it. Um, Now, this feels like I give up. Only I can't give up because I have questions. And while we are still.
4: So pretty crazy. We see that coming quickly, there may be another push for medical tyranny, uh, fear-mongering regarding the pandemic you know methodology that was used since 2020 and 2021 where they pushed the big v uh so it's just a really interesting series of events now this brings up the next video i wanted to show which is uh some clips uh of biden uh talking about this particular topic uh i wanted to share uh somehow he associates space travel going to the moon and these all in one uh presidential fumble so check out you
10: you got the yeah are you are you okay i mean you seem no it works or you you know or 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 the
3: mom and dad Or, or 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 the neighbor or when you go to church or when you're no, I, I, I really mean it. There are trusted interlocutors. Think of the people. If if your kid wanted to find out whether or not there
7: were, there's a man on the moon or whatever, you know, something, or, you know, whether those aliens are here or not.
12: 90% of the time, I have no idea
5: what the am f- talking about.
16: <laughs>
4: yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah, just, it's really interesting, you know,
0: Just more nonsense coming out of his mouth.
4: Yeah. (laughs) More nonsense, man. He has no idea what he's talking about. And he's like still pushing this thing that has affected so many people. But all right. So I thought that was a funny little clip to share. Uh, On the topic of viruses, I want to share this quick clip about uh, Dr. Royal Raymond Rife and another theory regarding germ uh, theory and such. So uh, somebody, you know, recently had me questioning the modern medical industry, and this clip shows a inventor uh, who discovered some very interesting cures for disease, tumors, virus, and cancer uh, with uh, frequency. And uh, I wanted to share this clip of the Rife uh, uh, conspiracy. We we have
0: one, yeah.
17: If you haven't heard of Dr. Royal Raymond Rife. This is someone who's been referred to by those who personally knew him as a genius. He was a scientist and inventor, and starting in the 20s, he began building a large, very complex microscope capable of magnifying objects 31,000 times, compared with the maybe 1,700 times that were available on standard microscopes in the 30s and 40s. By 1940, he had invented a two-foot microscope weighing 200 pounds that included 5,682 parts, which enabled him to see viruses and bacteria in a way that no other scientist had at that time. Because these organisms were so tiny, he designed a method of staining them with light. And through this work, he came to understand that living things, including pathogens and viruses and bacteria, have their own frequency or oscillation pattern. And just like a specific musical note can shatter a wine glass if sung at the resonant frequency of the glass, he found specific frequencies could be used when matched up with specific pathogens in order to destroy them. And as he continued to isolate viruses and bacteria and locate their frequencies, he also claimed he discovered the virus responsible for cancer. Using resonance, or what he termed the mortal oscillary rate of the virus, he was able to kill it, in laboratory experiments over and over and over. He completed hundreds of experiments on tumors and rats purposefully infected with the isolated cancer virus before ever attempting to use these frequencies on people. In 1934, he famously tested out his device on 16 terminally ill cancer patients. Out of 16, 14 of them, all but two, were certified medically cured in just three months. Of his treatment, Reif would later write, With the frequency instrument treatment, no tissue is destroyed, no pain is felt, no noise is audible, and no sensation is noticed. A tube lights up and three minutes later the treatment is completed, the virus or bacteria is destroyed, and the body then recovers itself naturally from the toxic effect of the virus or bacteria. Several diseases may be treated simultaneously. His findings were at first widely published. In June of 1940, the LA Times reported, For organisms too small to be stained, an ingenious illuminating system is used. The system utilizes Reif's theory that organisms respond to certain wavelengths, a theory he carries to finality by bombarding disease germs with radio waves which are tuned to those of the minute man killers. And the virus he says occurs in cancer has, Reif insists, disintegrated under such radio waves. Reif was hailed in the scientific and medical communities for his discoveries at first. By 1937, he'd established a company called BeamRay with several colleagues, and 14 of his machines were manufactured. Multiple doctors used these machines, tested them out, and saw that they worked. It wasn't just Rife's word. So what happened? Why aren't these machines in every hospital and cancer treatment center in the world today? Why don't we have them? Simply put, the only cancer Rife couldn't seem to kill was greed.
0: You know, we actually have a Rife The machine. only. Oh, you do? Yeah. Wow, that's really cool. Yep, and those tubes of lights are, are you hold them in your hands and you put your feet on this these little pedals, and they they literally frequency your body. It's kind of. a wow. Weird, interesting feeling.
4: Yeah, I, I thought the last line she said was the only cancer Rife couldn't kill was greed. Yeah. And you can't find them anywhere.
0: You can't, it's true. I mean, that's the truest thing.
4: That's amazing. Well, uh, since we're on the topic of alternative perspectives to major mainstream narratives, like, uh, the medical industry, uh, here's an interesting take on the alien conspiracy topic from yours. Truly Alex Jones. And uh, and some of his explanation of the spiritual nature of f- uh, fallen entities or, or wicked, you know, of a- the alien spirits that affect the world um, is uh, is really really telling. So check out this clip uh, from Alex Jones sharing his perspective on the alien topic.
8: This is absolutely wild. Alex Jones discloses but some of his elite friends. I've told him about humanity, reality, and the spiritual realm. This
15: is really big. So. Okay. Um, yeah, pour another shot of the that. media. Let's get this out I, properly. You know. All right, let me give you my best, uh, of please. Deep, deep research approximation. once again. What do you think is going, but uh, am I uh, wrong to still hold out hope that aliens are real? Because I tell you, as one of two guilty pleasures that I still cling to. It's Bigfoot and Aliens. Those are two. Bigfoot, not so much. I wish it was real, but I just don't are think. Are you ready. ready? Yes. Bigfoot's real? No. Come on, Daddy. No. <laughs> are you ready? Yes. I'm going to give you the big biggest. Joe, there yeah, are aliens. aliens in this room right now. For real? Yeah, you're not of this world, bro. Me? You're the alien. Oh, wow. I didn't know. Well, here's what the elite believe, and mm-hmm. let me be very clear because the media, I'll take this out of context. I only go with what I can prove. Oh, and, thank you. And, and people can't even handle that. And there's armies. We're fighting a pedophile conspiracy, but beyond that, it's a vampire conspiracy in that they are interdimensionally sucking the essence of our youth. Right. And they believe they're possessed by an off-world entity. They do? Yeah, and uh, Joe, I've been on air 22 years. I don't get into aliens, metaphysical, religion, any of that. I've studied the elite. And I've also communicated with a lot of the top people, and, and, and if you want to know, I will actually break down right now the best knowledge right now of what's happening on the planet. What's happening? The elite are all about transcendence and living forever and the secrets of the universe, and they want to know all this. Some are good, some are bad, some are a mix. But the good ones don't ever want to organize. The bad ones tend to want to organize because they lust after power. Powerful you know, consciousnesses don't want to dominate other people. They want to empower them, so they don't tend to get together until things are really late in the game. Then they come together. Evil's always defeated, because good is so much stronger. And we're on this planet, and Einstein's physics showed it. Max Planck's physics showed it. All oh, there's at least 12 dimensions. And now that's why all the top scientists and billionaires are coming out saying it's a false hologram. It is. Artificial. The computers are scanning it and finding tension points where it's artificially projected and gravity's bleeding in to this universe. That's what they call dark matter. So we're like a thought or a dream that's a wisp in some computer program, some God's mind, whatever. They're proving it all. It's all coming out. Now, there's like this sub-transmission zone below the third dimension that's just turned over to the most horrible things, is what it resonates to. And it's trying to get up into the third dimension that's just a basic level consciousness to launch into the next levels. And our species is already way up at the fifth, sixth dimension, consciously, our best people. But there's this big war trying to, like, basically destroy humanity because humanity has free will and there's a decision to which level we want to go to. We have free will, so evil's allowed to come and contend, not just good. And the elites themselves believe they're racing using human technology to try to take our best minds and build some type of breakaway civilization where they're going to merge with machines, transcend, and break away from the failed species that is man, which is kind of like a false transmission because they're thinking what they are is ugly and bad, projecting it onto themselves instead of believing, no, it's a human test about building us up. And so Google was set up, 1819 years ago this was I knew about this before it was declassified I'm just saying I have good sources that they wanted to build a giant artificial system And Google believes that the first artificial intelligence will be a supercomputer based on the neuron activities of the hive mind of humanity with billions of people wired into it with the Internet of Things. And so all of our thoughts go into it. And we're actually building a computer that has real neurons in real time that's also psychically connected to us that are organic creatures so that they will have current prediction powers, future prediction powers, a true crystal ball but the big secret is once you have a crystal ball and know the future you can add stimuli beforehand and make decisions that control the future and so then it's the end of consciousness and free will for individuals as we know and a true 2.0 in a very bad way hive mind consciousness with an AI jacked into everyone knowing our hopes and dreams delivering it to us not in some PKD wirehead system where we plug in and give up on consciousness because of unlimited pleasure but because we were already wired in and absorbed before we knew it by giving over our consciousness to this system by our daily decisions that it was able to manipulate and control into a larger system. There's now a human counter-strike taking place to shut this off before it gets fully into place and to block these systems and to try to have an actual debate about where humanity goes and cut off the pedophiles and psychic vampires that are control of this AI system before humanity's destroyed. Of AI? How well, How the pedophiles getting in control of well, AI? Well, the, pe- the pedophiles at a, at a whatever level. Rule. The devil, whatever you want to call it, this interdimensional thing that gives them advanced off-world technology, the fallen one that's son of this world is giving them advanced knowledge what? What on are how, you how are to talking construct to these what systems is, what is that have that? already been Used before on other populations. What is that, Satan? But what are you? What That's are you talking Satan. about? That's,
4: That's Satan. Satan. Oh man! So while he's all over the place, I think there's some elements to that that are very interesting to think of
12: mm-hmm.
4: uh, as an explanation of how these spiritual entities are the manifestations of aliens that we're having in today's world, interact with mankind, influence the you know the controlling interests of the different countries that interact with you know ufos uh but what do you think about that rundown from alex jones jeremiah
0: i mean it was a it was a a little wordy but i think there's a little bit of truth in everything that he says so those are my my opinions about it i mean i think the way he goes about wording it makes him sound not as credible but what he's saying if you actually break it down kind of makes sense
4: yeah, that's it's what it makes me think of with a lot of topics in today's world is there's so many interconnected topics that you start to work through all of these thought processes that are very valid, but you come across sounding like a conspiracy nut, like he sounds like Alex Jones sounds like he's lost his mind, but you, you lose the value and actually what's being shared, which is there's more to meet the eye in the world today. So uh, I thought that was really interesting. Uh, because, you know, there is a significance to the spiritual realm and there's a an effort to hide the truth of, of reality, such as, you know, there is a God, there is a creator. The modern scientific counterpoint is that, oh, we're just these, you know, evolved creatures. Well, here's a very uh, intelligent response to the, uh, I guess you could say the, atheistic perspective of reality uh and a debate from uh kent Hovind uh arguing for creationist values and um he was actually put in prison uh for some of his controversial views and i think it's for a reason to silence a voice of truth in today's world so check
6: out this video
0: watch this video with me because this is absolutely crazy
6: let's just start it all right you may take the first minute we're supposed to do one question at a time which one would you like that was part of the format for the debate. So which which I question? want you to fill in the story of the rest of the uh, beginning of the universe. God, spiritual matter, impact on material matter. Okay. So two questions. All right. Go ahead. All right, your question, where did God come from, assumes that you're thinking of the wrong, uh, obviously it displays, that you're thinking of the wrong God, because the God of the Bible is not affected by time, space, or matter. If If he's affected by time, space, or matter, he's not God. Time, space, and matter is what we call a continuum. All of them have to come into existence at the same instant, because if there were matter but no space, where would you put it? If there were matter and space but no time, when would you put it? You cannot have time, space, or matter independently. They have to come into existence simultaneously. The Bible answers that in ten words. In the beginning, there's time. God created the heaven, there's space, and the earth. There's matter. So you have time, space, matter created a trinity of trinities there. Just you know, Time is past, present, future. Space has length, width, height. Matter has solid, liquid gas. You have a trinity of trinities created instantaneously. And the God who created them has to be outside of them. If He's limited by time, He's not God. The guy who created this computer is not in the computer. He's not running around in there changing the numbers on the screen. Okay. The God who created this universe is outside of the universe. He's above it, beyond it, in it, through it. He's, he's unaffected by it. So, for, and the I, the concept that a, a spiritual uh, force cannot have any effect on a material body. Well, then I guess you'd have to explain to me things like emotions and love and hatred and envy and jealousy and, and rationality. I mean, if your brain is just a random collection of chemicals that formed by chance over billions of years, how on earth can you trust your own reasoning processes and the thoughts that you you think? Okay, uh-huh. so.
12: Wow. That's the truth right there, I,
6: your, your question, where did God come from, is assuming a limited God. And that's your problem. The God that I worship is not limited by time, space, or matter. If I could fit the infinite God in my three pound brain, he would not be worth worshiping. That's for certain. Holy so cow. that's the God that I worship. Thank you. That's all
4: right. So uh, it was, you know, a really interesting debate. Uh, and I think your, uh, Kent Hovind was really influential on Rob. Uh, you know Rob used to watch his, his uh, creationist debates over the years and, uh, and look at the argument uh, against uh, a faith in a creator um, it's so important to understand that there are rational approaches to these topics and it's really cool to see uh, guys like Kent Hovind like hold his own you know with some of these uh, you know debate you know things but um, anyways i I just wanted to share that with that said here's our one last video and the video is the uh interesting information about the firmament showing uh you know topics like sky ice and the dome let's check this video out
1: i've never seen anything like it before or since and that's unusual because i've always had an interest in scientific things I think that's even why I got selected to go to Antarctica because a big part of the interview was about science and what I believed about things. So I really thought it was cool to see something I'd never heard of before. The whole time I was at McMurdo I heard, of, I heard people talking about the wall like that was a special place. It's pretty common to find ice walls and ice cliffs all over Antarctica. The whole place is ice, but it's all just normal white or clear ice. So I asked my friend where they get the sky ice from, and he said it comes from the wall. I don't remember exactly how he described it, but apparently there's a huge wall of sky ice in Antarctica. He said it was hundreds of miles inland from the coast. I never got to see it myself because I was only, and then i skip forward, stationed to McMurdo. I didn't get to go out on expeditions. He said it was the biggest natural structure in the world imagine that he said that in the 1960s the US Army had a plan to bore a tunnel into the wall but they didn't have a boring machine that could handle the super cold temperatures so they had a whole testing project in Greenland where they developed ice tunnels and intended or sorry and invented new boring machines that could operate in super cold temperatures so this was back when they were going into forming NASA and all the other things that were kinda strange, the Antarctic Treaty around that time pretty close to it and he says like they did this whole big thing in Greenland for just practice. So it was like they were practicing to bore into the sky ice I'm not an expert on that but that's just what he told me. Then once they had the new boring machine figured out they brought it to the ice wall or to the wall in Antarctica he said that the machine bored a tunnel I don't remember exactly like 5 or 10 miles into the wall, but that they never broke through the other side of the wall, and that they still don't know how thick the wall is even to this day. And I'm probably not remembering this part correctly, but I think he said that at first the floor of the tunnel was solid rock, but after a mile or two in, the floor was sky ice, like it was sky ice underneath after a certain point. Or something like that and apparently the wall slowly builds itself back up so it slowly builds itself back up after you cut it because after a year or so the tunnel had shrunk smaller all by itself like a self-healing wound it starts closing up they had to leave the boring machine inside the wall because the tunnel shrunk too small to get it back out and after a few decades the tunnel was completely gone like the part of the wall was solid again he said that now the scientists were trying to use technology to figure out how thick the wall is. He said something about putting earthquake sensors all along the wall and that somehow you could measure the signal from an earthquake to see how thick the wall is. But, th- but he kinda lost me at the- on that part. I never really thought about any of that after I left. It was really weird stuff but I didn't think it was a big deal at the time. But then a few weeks ago I saw a map of the wall in Antarctica Except the map was all flat and crazy looking and it showed the wall going all the way up over the whole earth. So since then I've been trying to learn more about the sky ice that I saw and the wall that I heard about, but I can't find anything at all. So now I'm really wondering if there could be a connection here. And that's how I found this group. So I hope that maybe some part of my experience will help someone figure something out well thankful to that person if they were telling the truth that is some very interesting information given what we know surrounds us we know that the firmaments not just made out of ice it's something special that could just be something near the foundation to prevent you from going all the way to it the father's design is very complex and he has foreknowledge. He knows what mankind's gonna try to do. Those little nuclear bombs they shot at the firmament was nothing (laughs) to the firmament. They can't break it. They've tried. If they could, they would, but they can't. And this is just one of those stories that confirms a lot of what I had assumed would be going on. I always thought, man, if they are out there and they can go to it, they're probably trying to drill through it, and if they are, how have they not gotten through it already? and that would answer the question for you because it closes up as you go through it but this was back in the sixties there's no telling what they're trying now mostly guarding it i'm sure that's the biggest job they have is keeping us from going there and if you do go there you can only go to certain places it is tens of thousands of dollars for a one-way ticket otherwise many of us would have already gone there tried to do some sneaking around and investigating but this video here it only had like three hundred views But really cool stuff Wanted to pass this along. I know the days of censorship have it to where you can't find stuff like this anymore. And I remembered putting it in my Firmament playlist. I just wasn't sure if you guys had heard about this and wanted to pass it along to you. All right, just an interesting little Firmament uh, video there. And
4: uh, with that, that's all the clips for this week, Jeremiah. Thanks for uh, tuning in and listening to some of our news. And hopefully that was a blessing for you guys there
0: at home. Thank you, Jake, for another great current news as always. Now a quick promo for my mom's book, The Protocol It Kills.
4: Kingsgate Media and Skiba News Nation
15: present an exhaustive expose on government.
0: The new amazing book, The Emotional and Disturbing True Story.
17: Sheila Skiba. Following Rob Skiba's death, his widow, Sheila, and co-authors spent countless hours analyzing 40 days of recorded conversations, the transcripts of which appear in the book.
9: This is an extremely
4: well-written first-hand account of the horrors Sheila Skiba endured for the 40 days her husband was held captive in the hospital.
13: It was hard to read and relive since I vividly remember when this was happening to this precious man, but I believe every person needs to know what was going on during the insanity of the pandemic. Sheila Skiba, The
18: Protocol That Kills a True Crime Story. This book shares a wealth of critical insights that will greatly aid in preventing future needless losses of life. Available on Amazon. Order now. Find more at theprotocolthatkills.com.
0: And as always, the links will be down in the description below if you want to get yourself a copy, and it's about that time for an all-new Opa's Corner. Take it away, Opa.
3: The following presentation may contain too many cat jokes. Viewer discretion is advised. This presentation is rated CJ, Cat Jokes, Parental Guidance Suggested. Time for another Opa's Corner. So let's start with some story. A father, mother, and child went out to spend time on the beach on a hot summer's day. As soon as they reached the beach, they discovered that there was a black flag and a sign not to enter the water. The boy really wanted to get in the water. But his mother did not agree and they stayed on the beach to rest in the sun and play in the sand. After a few minutes the father got bored and turned to his wife. Keep an eye on the boy. I'm going into the water. There's no way the sea is really that dangerous. After a few minutes the boy asks, Mom, why did not you let Dad get in the water and not me? Because you and father are two different people, and there are things he can do and you can't. Is it because dad knows how to swim really well? Not really. Is it because dad is big and strong? No. Then why is daddy allowed to enter the water and I'm not? Because Daddy has life insurance. (laughs) (laughs) Miss Rosie Jones was going to the market in New York when she happened to meet Father Patrick. Hey, you're Rosie, right? I married you in New Jersey when I was posted there. Yes, Father. How's your husband and the little ones? Husband is fine. But so far, no children. Oh, don't worry, child. I'm going to Rome next week. I'll light a candle for you there. Oh, thank you, Father Patrick. After some years, Father Patrick happens to meet Rosie again. Hello, Rosie. How's everything? Did you have any kids? Yes, Father. I have three sets of twins and two singles total eight kids. Wow! Where's your husband? Oh, he's gone to Rome all of a sudden. Said something about blowing out a candle? (laughs) A young girl who was writing a paper for school came to her father and asked, Dad, what's the difference between anger and exasperation? It's mostly a matter of degree. Let me show you what I mean." With that, the father went to the telephone and dialed a number at random. To the man who answered the phone, he said, "'Hello, is Marvin there?' "'There's no one living here by the name of Marvin. Why don't you learn to look up numbers before you dial?' See, that man was not a bit happy with our call. He was probably very busy with something, and we annoyed him. Now watch. The father dialed the number again. Hello, is Marvin there? Now look here. You just called this number, and I told you there is no Marvin here. you got a lot of guts calling again. The receiver slammed down hard. The father turned to his daughter and said, You see, that was anger. Now I'll show you what exasperation means. He dialed the same number, and when the violent voice roared, Hello! The father calmly said, Hello, this is Marvin. Have there been any calls for me? A man came to see his family doctor. The man told his doctor that he wasn't able to do all the things around the house that he used to do. When the examination was complete, he said, Now, Doc, I can take it. Tell me in plain English what is wrong with me. Well, in plain English, you're just lazy. Okay, now give me the medical terms so I can tell my wife. (laughs) A six-year-old and a four-year-old are playing in the yard. The six-year-old asks, You know what? I think it's about time we started learning to cuss. The four-year-old nods his head in approval. The six-year-old continues, When we go in for breakfast, I'm going to say something with hell, and you say something with ass." The four-year-old agrees with enthusiasm. When the mother walks into the kitchen and asks the six-year-old what he wants for breakfast, he replies,
12: "'Ah,
3: hell, Mom, I guess I'll have some Cheerios.'" Whack! He flies out of his chair, tumbles across the kitchen floor, Gets up and runs upstairs, crying his eyes out, with his mother in hot pursuit, slapping his rear with every step. His mom locks him in his room and shouts, You can stay there until I tell you're, tell you you're out. She then comes back downstairs, looks at the four-year-old, and asks with a stern voice, And what do you want for breakfast, young man? I don't know, but you can bet your ass it won't be
12: Cheerios.
3: (laughs) An older, tired-looking dog wandered into my yard. I could tell from his collar and well-fed belly that he had a home and was well taken care of. He calmly came over to me. I gave him a few pats on the head. Then he followed me into my house, slowly walked down the hall, curled up in the corner and fell asleep. An hour later, he went to the door and I let him out. The next day he was back, greeted me in my yard, walked inside and resumed his spot in the hall and again slept for about an hour. This continued off and on for several weeks. Curiously, I pinned a note to his collar. I would like to find out who the owner of this wonderful sweet dog is and ask if you are aware that almost every afternoon your dog comes to my house for a nap. The next day he arrived for his nap with a different note pinned to his collar. He lives in a home with six children, two under the age of three. He's trying to catch up on his sleep. Please, may I come with him tomorrow? (laughs) (laughs) A woman approaches a man and says, Excuse me, sir. I'm doing a little survey. Can I ask you questions? The man says, Yeah, sure. If you're traveling in a bus and a female gets on the bus and she's got no available seat would you give up your seat for her? No. What if the lady that got on the bus was pregnant? Would you give up your seat then? No. What if the lady got on the bus was a senior lady? Would you give her her seat then? No. You are one selfish man. You have no manners. You men are all the same. No, ma'am. I'm a bus driver. <laughs> and now for the funnies. <laughs> Velcrows. Run. Freeze. Run again. Turn around. Run. No freeze. (laughs) Every time. So what should I do, mateys? Just walk off the edge? Aren't you going to push me? Hello? Harg. Anyone there? Anyone? Anyone? (laughs) Today, I'm going to nap on the bed, the recliner, the couch, the area rug, the coffee table, and the desk chair. Oh, that sounds exhausting. <laughs> the craftmatic adjustable bed of nails was the least popular model. Needs more testing. <laughs> Hmm. Looks like a loose thread. That's what I thought. (laughs) (laughs) Will you please explain to me again why we spent a small fortune just so Junior could visit a pretend haunted mansion when we could have stayed home in a real one for free? Forget war parties. If we build a casino, they hand over their money faster than we can pour drinks.
0: <laughs> That's true. How?
3: Hey, you're not in the pen. I know. I'm out on bail. <laughs> Curtans, indoor climbing center for cats.
12: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Look,
3: lad, we've a flock of three thousand to get through. Just shear the ruddy sheep. You are headed south. Your destination is straight ahead. When did we start trusting our own sense of direction? (laughs) He probably wouldn't snore so much if his cartoonist didn't forget to draw him nostrils. Darn it, gentlemen. We need someone who's not afraid to poop outside the box. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) We got one of those. (laughs) Cows.
3: The beginning. What's that thing? I'm not sure. Looks like some kind of duo corn. Hey, don't just throw that on the ground. What were you raised by? People? (laughs) I wrote an essay about what I did last summer, but I ate it. Clumsy ghosts.
12: Hackby
3: <laughs> Breadbox Company. Okay, okay, calm down, everyone. This monster, would you say he was Bigger or smaller than your building. You can talk it over. <laughs> You've left me no choice, Mr. Bond. Stir, stir, stir. <laughs> no!
0: Shaken, not stirred.
3: Hey buddy, I could push it with my invisible bulldozer if you'd like. Play dead as long as you want, young man. Those brussel sprouts will still be there. <laughs> There are two options, you take down the squirrel baffle and I eat your birdseed, or I eat the power line and take down your internet. (laughs) Ikea job interview, please have a seat. (laughs) Look at Noah, what a shitty boat he has built. Mammals, (laughs) Ha! what a bunch of sorry losers. Titanic. (laughs) Over here, roast beef sandwiches. These aren't honeybees, they're are bees <laughs> Slippery when wet. We just washed the stairs, so watch your step. <laughs> The Tim Bar. Okay, Rick, a couple of more rings and I'm legal.
12: <laughs> In
3: God's Kitchen. What are you cooking? Texas, why? <laughs> A Texas poem Barbecue is good, blueberries are tart. If you don't like Texas, well bless your heart <laughs> And that concludes an Opa's corner for this week.
12: My
18: wood hot dry
3: Opas Corner is now available on my own YouTube channel. Like, share, and subscribe.
0: <laughs> Another great Opus Corner. Now, a word from our good friend and sponsor, JJ. Are you tired of living in constant pain? Do you feel like you've tried every CBD product on the market with no relief? Look no further than JJ's Natural CBD Rub. When I was diagnosed with degenerative disc disease, this was the only product that completely took my pain away. Working with JJ has been a dream come true, and his products have completely changed my life. Don't just take my word for it. Visit JJ's website, jjcbdrub.com, and read hundreds of testimonials from people whose lives have been changed by all of JJ's amazing products. And now, as a Skiba News Nation exclusive, you can get $50 off a three-pack special of JJ's Natural CBD Rub by texting CBD to 920-382-7720. Don't suffer in silence any longer. Take control of your pain today with JJ's Natural CBD Rub. Again, text CBD to 920 920- for an exclusive discount, and start feeling the relief you deserve. The links are in the description below. Thank you as always, JJ. So now it's time for some history. So today I have something very exciting to show you guys. I was able to sit down in studio with Gene Odom. Now you may be asking yourself, who is Gene Odom? Well, he was Ronnie Van Zant's friend. And I'll show you a photo of Ronnie Van Zant. This is Leonard Skinnerd. This is the Street Survivor album, probably my favorite band. And he was best friends, childhood best friends with Ronnie Van Zant and was on the plane crash that happened in 1977 and sadly took the lives of three members of the band or more probably. Uh, but I I got to exclusively interview him and uh, I wanted you guys to check this out. So check out this exclusive Ski Benes Nation
18: interview. Thursday, October 20th, a twin engine conveyor 240 with the name Leonard Skinner painted on the side is 580 miles out of Greenville, South Carolina bound for Baton Rouge. The 24 passengers aboard are heading for a concert date Friday night. They're relaxing. Some are playing poker.
17: Most musicians at a certain point will sit down and they'll say, you know, is our time coming? I mean, when you fly two and 300 airplanes a year,
7: you always feel that there's a point when it may catch up with you.
18: It is shortly before six o'clock central daylight time. The pilot Walter McCreary of Dallas, Texas radios Houston air traffic control. He's low on fuel and can't make Baton Rouge 80 miles away. Instead, he'll try for a small airport at nearby Macomb, Mississippi we found out 10 minutes from the Baton Rouge airport that we ran out of gas. And uh, I just heard the pilot go, oh my god. Pilot McCreary turns his plane to the left and starts back toward Macomb. His altimeter reads 2,000 feet. The time is just past 6 o'clock. One of the engines on the Convair quits, probably starved for fuel. My wife and I were out sitting in our backyard. And we heard this plane come over, which it sounded like it was running on one engine. and uh, Then all of a sudden, I heard that engine go out. By now, pilot McCreary is desperately looking for a spot for an emergency landing. He follows a pipeline route. For reasons unknown, McCreary changes his mind and heads for a better spot, a pasture off to his left. The Convair 240 is in a glide, a hundred yards short of the pasture. The wings are clipping treetops. The plane stalls and goes down. The Leonard Skinner band was riding high. They had just released a new album, Street Survivors, and set out on a five-month cross-country tour to promote it. They were on their way to a concert at Louisiana State University when disaster happened.
16: He began to spiral down, trying to lose altitude, find a place to land. And I thought he was gonna make this field to last minute. I saw that it
18: wasn't. Started clipping pine trees. And at that point I grabbed a blanket and braced myself and put the blanket over my face all i saw was treetops i looked out my windows in the middle of the airplane on the right wing i tried to get close to the back of the airplane as possible but i got in the middle of the airplane on the right wing and um, all i saw was treetops and at, at first it wasn't so bad but then when i hit the you know the middle of the trees it was horrible you know it's was, it was an experience nobody wants to ever experience never Pianist Billy Powell, drummer Artemis Pyle, and another passenger managed to climb through a window and go for help. Neighbors who'd heard the crash were among the first rescue workers to arrive. We walked through the woods to the site, and at that time, there was nobody on the site. Well, we started getting them out then, getting the ones that were hurt out, and everybody's out too. Under the glare of helicopter floodlights, the 23 victims were pulled one by one from the wreckage, placed on stretchers, and carried 100 yards through dense woods and across a creek, to waiting ambulances. They were rushed to Southwest Mississippi Medical Center in Macomb. It took more than an hour to get all the victims to the hospital. Six are dead. 11 are admitted for treatment after receiving emergency care. Eight are flown to two other hospitals in Jackson, Mississippi. One, Drummer Pyle, was treated and released. By all accounts, the hospital staff handled the disaster well. The head doctor credited countless rehearsals which, he said, prepared his people for the real thing. Before dawn the next morning, the hospital had compiled a list of 26 names and notified next of kin. The dead, the pilot and co-pilot, band leader Ronnie Van Zant, guitarist Steve Gaines, his sister, singer Cassie Gaines, and assistant road manager Dean Kilpatrick of Jacksonville. The 20 survivors included singer Leslie Hawkins, bass guitarist Leon Wilkeson, guitarist Alan Collins, and guitarist Gary Rossington. Wilkerson and Rossington suffered the most severe injuries. He has two broken arms, a broken leg, a broken pelvis, a punctured stomach, and a punctured liver. And he's going to be in the hospital in Jackson, Mississippi for about another month. But uh, Leon's got tremendous amounts of internal injuries, and Alan's got a, a broken, not a broken neck, but a cracked neck. Every airplane crash is methodically investigated by specialists from the National Transportation Safety Board. They look at wreckage as pieces of a puzzle which, when put together, will tell them why a plane crashed. The search at the scene even extends to the passenger's luggage. The board looks into about 4,500 mishaps a year. To the field investigators, wreckage is routine business. But for the rest of us who saw the remains of Leonard Skinner's Convair 240, the sight is unforgettable. You can't even realize seeing one of these things on television exactly what a crash of this magnitude looks like. Up there, sitting against the tree, is a piece of an airplane wing torn away from the rest of the airplane. Lying down there at the base of the tree is the engine. And that back there, that twisted metal back there, is the fuselage of the plane, which sort of was turned around a corner. It was just terrible. People are hollering, screaming, and I've never witnessed anything before in my lifetime.
16: It was just a disaster to me. I've never seen anything like it. And uh, it just hit me hard.
18: Nine days have passed since the crash, and the investigation has really only just begun. Authorities still believe the plane ran out of gas. But why? Didn't they put enough gas in the tanks, or was there a leak? We won't know the answers to those questions for at least a month. Gary Rossington and Leon Wilkerson are still hospitalized in the intensive care unit. They could stay there anywhere from two more weeks to a month. Leslie Hawkins has had extensive plastic surgery on her face. Alan Collins is moving around despite a huge plaster cast for his cracked neck. Artemis Pyle is not in the hospital, but friends say he is still not recovered from the shock. What about Leonard Skinner? Will, they, will, there, will there be a Leonard Skinner after this? I don't think so.
0: so. I got some questions here, but we can go off script if you want. It's,
16: it's, it's, it's your show. You just do what you want to do.
0: So let me just introduce you first. So, Hey, Skiba News Nation family. Today we got a very special guest for you guys today. His name is Gene Odom. He was best friends with Ronnie Van Zant, and sadly, he was on the plane that crashed. He luckily survived and is here to tell his story, and he is furthering his best friend's legacy by doing this awesome tour. So... I'd like to welcome Gino to Welcome, Gene. Welcome. <laughs> so, as I said, you, you were best friends with, with Ronnie Van Zandt. Uh, can we pull up some of those photos first? And maybe you can tell me more about them.
16: Yeah, that good. was, uh, we were leaving Greenville, going to the uh, uh, hotel. Okay. And they had, the, there was some limousine scene there, but there was that, tr- I, tr- I think that was an old truck or a car. We, me and I rode in that. And this is where the the memorial is. That's know. Mississippi, yeah.
0: So that's where it went. It went down, and I've seen videos of it. It's so beautiful, though. It's
16: it is, it's magnificent, and we're going to have a uh, another one being built. Really. Just for Ronnie. It's a yeah. it's a monument for Ronnie. It's going to be full length. He's going to be standing up full length, and on the back will be the poem that I wrote about the airplane crash in Mississippi. That's super cool. And th- the unveiling is going to be October twentieth. If you're not doing anything, bring your camera out to Mississippi for the unveiling. I would love to. going to be a big... There's going to be thousands of people there. It's going to be big. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I would love to.
0: And then this is you and Ronnie, right?
16: Playing poker, yeah. Yeah. That's me dragging the money there.
0: <laughs> you guys look like you're having fun right there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm laughing
16: because, you know, they didn't really know how to play. They did know how to play poker, but they didn't really understand which hands would were Better than other hands, yeah, or which hands you had a potential to hit if you were betting, you know. And so it was kind of like taking candy from a baby, you
0: know. <laughs> so they didn't really know how to play poker. Ron
16: Eckerman could play, and he, he, he got them, but they just, no, they just, they, they, they just like this. They had plenty of money, they like to gamble, <laughs> but they really didn't understand which hands would beat another hand, you know. Wow,
0: and then this is you and Ronnie,
16: yeah, that was you know what, that may have been the very first day that I went out with him. He had that shirt made for me. It said, God forgives, I don't, you know. And uh, that was That's I was, I was early on when I started with him, yeah.
0: Being a lifelong friend of Ronnie Van Zant, can you tell me like your earliest memories
16: of just like growing Kids. up together or? Kids. Kids. You know, about toddlers. And we, I was born, right downtown Jacksonville and then we moved over to Mull Street Ronnie's house was here on the corner of Woodcrest and Mull and we moved on Mull Street about four houses down and we lived there and then um, we moved back downtown Jacksonville under the Matthews Bridge for about a year and a half about 1958 57 58 for about a year or so then we moved back to the west side and we didn't move on Mull Street, we moved on the next street over at Pangola, and that's where we I grew up, and me and Ronnie, you know, run around together and fished and rode bicycles, and kids, even before we could ride bicycles, we could, you know, far as I could think back, you know, we were kids. That's awesome. Mm-hmm.
0: And I know that we had talked earlier, but you you mentioned fishing and your grandson is doing something actually kind of cool with fishing with you, because you were Ronnie's lifelong
16: fishing buddy. Oh yeah, yeah. See. Let me see if I got the card, yeah. And, and I love to fish too, and he's just started this, he started a, 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 a guide service, it's called High Brass Guide Service LLC, and he does bass fishing, frog gigging. And duck hunting when it's duck season, and uh, if you would like to go bass fishing with my grandson, you can contact him at Swamp Wars at yahoo.com, s w a m p w a r s at yahoo.com, and um, he's just central, you know, south of central Florida. The frogs got, I think they got 200 frog legs, so that I means uh, uh-huh. 100 frogs. Name's Colby Crabtree good kid
0: so he he kind of learned how to do tours probably through you because that's how you honor your best friend's legacy is you do tours all around where you guys grew up and well can you tell me like so because many people often forget that like rock stars and and people that are famous they forget that they're real people which you know I can relate to being in the music business Uh, I was for a long time can you tell me who he was as like a person? Like, what was he truly like that people don't know?
16: I mean, just a, just an old boy that loved to go fishing, barefoot country boy, you know, and um, loved everybody. Give you the sheriff his back if you're asking for it. Asking for fifty cent or a dime to get some coffee, he'd give you all the all the money he had, or I had, or we had, whoever you know, however people was there, he'd give you all of it. But he was a great person you know, and when he started wanting to play music, that was, gosh, 1964, wow. you know, when he went to see the Stones. They played at Jacksonville there at the stadium, Gator Bowl, and he came back. He'd already flopped at wanting to be a boxer like Cassius Clay,
12: mm-hmm.
16: as this guy went and beat the hell out of him, so that changed his mind about wanting to be a boxer. Then he wanted to be a running back like Jim Brown, and he made the team first play from scrimmage, first practice game, first play from scrimmage. He got the ball and broke his ankle all to hell so he couldn't be drafted That yeah. made him 4-F. So then we saw the Stones, he wanted to be a singer, so he, he, the rest of it is history.
0: Yeah, because that's so crazy because later he would, uh, Leonard Skinner, opened for the Stones, yeah. and there's that famous footage of Ronnie pushing them out on the tongue, because wasn't, wasn't it legend like, you weren't allowed to be on the tongue unless you were the Rolling Stones, you know.
16: Because There was a rule not to go out on the tongue. Because the tongue with the stones, you know, that was going to be their whole look. So Roddy walked us all the way down just to defy that order. Allen went out all the way to the and stop. And Leon, he went to the cord jerking back around. Mick Jagger was mad. It took their breath away to see how well we went over and how we Broke their only rule, don't go out on the top. He was the role of Mick Jagger's. People don't realize, but every tour, every time Mick Jagger travels around, he's in charge of everything wow. from start to finish, set design, everything. And his concert tours are his set, and his logos are for that tour. Therefore, Mick Jagger one time only. And they're never put out for display. When the concerts or tours are over, those things are stored. Multiple storage facilities in the U.S. and multiple storage facilities in the U.K. That's crazy. All of his, all of his st- stuff that he used on stage, is one of a kind. It's stored up, and when that stage was b- built for him, they wasn't nobody supposed to go out there. But it was too late <laughs> for where I went out there, and I don't think they realized that Skinner kicked their ass. And Skinner did the Who and all the rest of them. That's why other bands. Um, the other big bands that knew about it, they wouldn't never let Skinner open for them because when Skinner hit the big time, they were a headlining act from day one.
0: But they were opening. Yeah,
16: and we kicked the dopest at Mick Jagger, Willie Nelson, and Waylon Jennings at the Willie Nelson picnic in okay. 1977. And they came out on stage, Skinner. When Skinner left stage, 97,000 people went crazy, tore the stage up, tore the PA down, run the Hells Angels off run everybody off. Willie Nelson didn't want Skinner to do an encore. Everybody was gone. I walked out on the stage. And I t- took the microphone and I told the sound man, I said, I said, my name is Gene Odom. I'm Ronnie's bodyguard and head of Leonard Skinner Security. We wasn't supposed to play an encore song. They're at the hotel. You folks need to calm down and back up and let these people put this stuff back together so Willie and Willie can come out. 97,000 people Went back, let them come back and build it. And a promoter came out. He went, "I ain't never seen that before. i have never seen that done before." We were scared to death. I said, "Somebody had to do it."
0: Uh, so you got to meet like Wayland.
16: Oh yeah, when he, when Willie and Wayland came out, the first thing Willie noticed, I said, "What and who was that? That's gonna be a hell of an act to follow." the crowd went crazy again. And we were crazy. Oh yeah, that's awesome. Peter Frampton's "Come Alive" album came out, mm-hmm. and so we we did two tours, two two shows they day on the green. And the Willie Nelson picnic in between those two shows the first show Skinner headlined because it was a co-headline and then Peter Frampton came out and then when we went to we went to um, take Willie Nelson's but there Tulsa we come back for the next show and this this show this show Peter Frampton was headlining and there was almost a hundred thousand people Skinner finished Walked off stage, I put a limousine, they were gone. And so, um, everybody, thousands, tens of thousands of people started leaving this, the stadium. Peter Frampton run out, grabbed the microphone. I'm standing behind the lighting tower, waiting on the limo to come back and get me. He came out and hey, come back, come back, I'm Peter Frampton, I'm the headliner. Mm-hmm. The show's not started. Thousands, tens of thousands of people Please, come back. I'm the headliner. Just getting on, just going on out. He punched his road manager in the face, kicked his drums over, and he was crying. And then the limousine showed up, and I took off, and I was gone. Yeah. <laughs> See
0: you <Get>. later. It's <laughs> yeah. a great story. So, uh, did he ever change as a person once he became a star? Because, like, a lot of people, they say do, but he seemed like the most genuine person when you... See most people
16: day. do because most people are fake. Yeah. He was the real deal. He was still barefoot to the day he died. And, you know, he, he, he did get, buy him an old truck. He wanted an old truck and he went, when we were home, he went to Tennessee to buy a little piece of property. And he saw that truck and he bought it and had it shipped to his house. And that May, he said, let's go bass fishing, man. Come on, come on. We went bass fishing. It was raining. Uh, Man, let's go home. I got something I can do. I said, no, man, this is your day. He always wanted an old truck, and he wanted a trophy bass. He always wanted that. Come on, man, let's go. It's raining. I said, let's stop. Look. I said, look at the truck. Look at this. It's it's stopping right now. We went. The very first cast, boom, 12-pound, 8-ounce bass. Wow. He called his trophy bass. So he got both of his trophies just before he died. He got his old truck and his big bass, yeah.
0: So, did you always know that Ronnie was going to be become successful? Like when you were children and you, you know, riding bikes with them and stuff, you probably never thought you would be a a rock star or headliner, like you turned into.
16: Well, a musician, you know, yeah. And then I was drafted and sent overseas in '69, and that's about the time that they had Larry Johnston was still with him, Bob Burns, and so. They were playing smaller gigs and stuff, you know. I didn't see the stardom at that time because I was away. And when I came back, they were playing a little bit bigger, bigger parties, and they were a lot, lot more tighter band. When they first started out, they were just rudimentary with their with their music, you know.
0: Was it when they were one percent?
16: Yeah, they didn't. They they couldn't play that well. And yeah. the, and then they, they de- Alan mostly Allen, They developed into their own style. Mm-hmm. And they got better with their own music, better and better and better and better thanks to Alan Collins. And um, of course, Ed King, Steve Gaines, you know McGeary was a rhythm follower. He was never, he was never a take charge leader like Alan was. But um, in late 70s, 75 they came off the derivative tour with The Who and um, I knew then if they were playing with The Who they were doing pretty good. But I was working, always working. Iron working and uh, Ronnie was always either on the road or rehearsing I mean and working when he was at the auto parts store and I think he worked there till 71 or 72 until he started making enough money to pay rent you know somewhere you know and uh, so he would work all day and drive 25 miles to the hell House to rehearse most of the night come home, get an hour sleep and go to work you know and uh, In late 75 I realized they were getting bigger and bigger. 76 I knew then that they were on the way.
0: Do you remember the first big hit that you remember him playing for you or like him being like this is this is you know?
16: Well to me um, it's always Freebird because you know that was that was such a you know such a phenomenal even to the day you know and you'd have to
0: it down record? Okay, sorry about that. Thank you.
16: You'd have to, had to know the whole story about Freebird, how it was written, and how it got started. Alan's wife actually came up with it. If, if I leave here tomorrow, would you still remember me? She came up with that lyric because Ronnie couldn't come up with any words at that time for Freebird. Alan had the music, but they couldn't come up with any words. And his wife wrote down notes to Alan and put it over his shoulder and then Alan called Ronnie, get over here. So Ronnie came over and said, look what Kathy wrote. And Ronnie said, I'm a Alan Collins. And they wrote the words to Freebird. Just that quick.
0: I heard he memorized the song and he whispered it.
16: He never wrote it down. He never wrote nothing down. Isn't that amazing? I, I think
0: it, that's an amazing thing as a musician. Like that, that's hard to remember a song like that
16: in your he, head. All the songs, all the songs, you know. And his, his His logo, his theory was if it's... If it's not good enough to remember, it's not good enough writing down." You know, something like that's what he said, but yeah, he, a had a, quote. He, had a, he had a photographic memory, no doubt about that.
0: So when did, when did Ronnie ask you to become the head of security?
16: In 75, he said, I was, um, I was laid off I and mean, went out with him for a, few, a couple of days. He said, man, start making, start making the big money. He said, we're, we're doing better now, in 75. Because Alan, I, I cleared Alan's property for Alan to build his house. And um, he said, man, he said, I start getting the big money, I'm, I'm gonna get you to be my bodyguard. And you know, in late 76, he came by, we went fishing. And I was between jobs, iron working. And he says, uh, hey, man, look here. He says, um, we're, we're doing good now, I'm making, uh, making big money. And I want you to be my bodyguard." He said, I want you to come to work, start work for me. And he said, we're going to be going to Europe real quick. Mm-hmm. And I said, I can't go on that trip because I got a, a lawsuit, a union lawsuit I'm involved in. He said, alright, we're going to go to Europe for a little while. And so when he came back, he came by the house, and he said, I'm here. Here's your first payday. You're on the payroll. You're my bodyguard and security for the band. That was a uh, Early, 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 early seventy seven.
0: And the rest is, is history as they say. The rest is history, yeah. So you were on on the fatal crash when when the terrific incident happened with, you know, I think six people passed. Yeah. During that plane crash. And you were actually on the plane and I don't know if this is okay for me to do This is a like a, a diagram of the plane.
16: Pretty close, yeah.
0: Can you can you with the, m- the marker kind of show everybody like where you were and where Ronnie was? Here's a sharpie.
16: Yeah, um, it'll mess up your artwork.
0: Oh, no, that's not mine. Okay. <laughs> it's just artwork in the plane.
16: You got more of these?
0: Yeah, I got this. This one.
16: I, this I might like have a- one. Yeah, I like of these. Okay, absolutely. Now I'm not an artist by no means, and so um, I'll 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 start from this was the only way she could really do it, and this plane, this fuselage, this is more authentic here. That would be the pilots. The pilots were right behind the pilots. Okay, there was a door. And then right behind on oh, behind that was a um, the little galley, the bathroom, and then there was the, the couch. It the had, it, it had, yeah, it had a concave in the middle. Not not a big one, but a little concave. Yeah. And then right in front of that was a. Uh, I think it was a two by six. Could have been a two by eight. On pedestals. You could sitting on the couch. You could set your drink on it, or you could prop your feet on it. It was about 18 inches high. And so across from them was Steve and Dean Kilpatrick. And on this side of the plane was two seats, two seats, poker table, two seats there. And across from the poker table was a single table that would had two seats. And at the time of the crash, um, Ronnie was on the floor.
0: Oh, yeah, I remember you telling me on the phone, but I couldn't quite understand.
16: Yeah, but he, was... he he wanted to lay down, and he couldn't lay down in these seats, you know, and he, because he had took two sleeping pills. Yeah. And I said, well, were they, were that. Table was was like two foot from the from here, you, you know the length of your foot is where the table was. I said, man, look here, y'all put your feet up on the table,
12: mm-hmm.
16: and Ronnie can lay down underneath y'all's feet and he can sleep there, and people can go back and forth to the galley and won't bump into him. You want me to draw that in here somehow? Yeah, I'll make it a little smaller. Here. Is that good enough? Yeah, that's great. All right,
0: that's amazing. So you actually tried to save. Uh
16: Ronnie's light. Oh, yeah, man. I got him above the floor and strapped him between Al and Gary, you know. And it, s- s- see what what uh, when the pilot sent the co-pilot out early on when we started having the problem, I'd already went up there once and when, they, when it started sputtering and missing. And this guy um that told me about Cassie unsnapping her seatbelt, he told me, he said, yeah, man, I I, I, I had such a massive head injury in the plane crash, and then falling ironwork, and I got a, a memory problem. And so, uh, when I first went to the cockpit, they were trying to figure out what the, you know while we what was happening? yeah while we you know why we having fuel problems, trying to switch fuel tanks or whatever. You know, there was no dumping, no fuel, and there was no fuel on the plane to dump. Billy his face when he said that, and. Uh, I ran back and I went, somebody said, what's wrong? And I went, they don't know. I said, you know you're in bad shape when the damn pilots don't know what's going on. That was my first trip up there. And the second trip up there, they were still struggling with it. And I think the second trip is when we ran out and they wasn't picking up no more fuel. We had made the turn to come back to Macomb because you couldn't make the turn with, with the engines with no power. Yeah, that plane would nosedive into the ground. So they had the engine started running enough that they could make the turn. At that point in time, I think we were at 4,500 feet, 4,500 feet at that point. Cause we'd already come a long way down. They thought they had enough airspeed to make that field, you know? And so, uh, when the plane weighed 30,000 pounds empty, so as it was traveling, it was losing airspeed, you know, cause it was hitting, hitting the atmosphere was slowing us down instead of, instead of having a hundred miles an hour when we started hitting them trees it was 55-60 miles an hour and that weight of the plane started that nose dive it right into them trees. I, I ran back and uh, kicked Ronnie in the ribs again told him get up man you know and I told, asked everybody they all strapped in It was, you know and they, so um, then I went back up there the third time to argue with them and cuss them out and then that's when I That's when I seen the plane do this. Mm -hmm. So I knew we weren't going to make the field. And I told him, I said, I hope you two guys live through this because I'm going to beat both of y'all to death. And so uh, I grabbed Ronnie up off the floor and started struggling with him, getting him sitting down. And at no time, no time did he ever know that that plane was crashing. Did he comprehend it? Because he was so grogged out from them two sleeping pills. He died not knowing that that plane was actually crashing, you know. It was almost
0: peaceful, in a way. And he,
16: you know, you could say that, but if you knew how bad he hated to fly. Oh, that boy hated to fly. He did? Yes, sir. He was scared to death of flying. You know, he hated it. Hated it. You know, he did it when he had to do it, but he hated flying.
0: Now, I heard, I don't know if this is urban legend, but that there were two other bands that turned down that plane.
16: It's like Aerosmith or... Well, I'll, I'll straighten you out on all that. Uh, the road manager had talked that company in to buy that plane and they didn't have license to haul people they were a freight holding outfit oh, so they established on paper l and j leasing and got licensed to fly people and so his intention was to charge the band more money for the plane than it was worth uh, than they should have paid and more money per air mile for gas more money he was going to charge the band more money for the plane so he could get a commission off of the band wow. and, and he didn't come out with that until after i said i know you was getting a kickback you know and he, he didn't call it a kickback when he wrote his book he called it a commission to keep the band on that plane he would get a commission and i was going to put a stop to all that all that was coming to a screeching halt soon as that tour was over but the plane crash stopped all that, you know.
0: Well, I mean, it's amazing what you're doing now. If you could tell our audience what, what you what you do to carry on your best friend's legacy, I think is the coolest thing ever. And I can't wait to go to Jacksonville to experience it. But
16: I I'd, I'd take people on a tour of the West Side, where we came from. Ronnie's old house, Alan's Gary's, where they came from, the neighborhoods we came from, where the where the old Curlisloe store was where we used to pick, I used to take the Coke bottles down to Cashman, where we played football as kids, our old neighborhood, the schools they went to, you know, and where we grew up. Just tell the legacy story of Leonard Skinner, where the music came from and where they came from, you know, and I'd average about two a month, you know, and um, I'll make sure we put Patty's number on here. Absolutely. If if anyone want to call Patty and she could set it up, but people the people that come on the tour are hardcore Skinner fans, Ronnie Van Zandt fans, Alan Geary. They want to learn the true story about the music, where the music came from. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what better than one of the guys that grew up with the music and grew up with Ronnie and was on the plane and can tell you the true story mm-hmm. about, you know, not just kind of BS stuff, but mm-hmm. the, the true story. People really enjoy it that are real hardcore Skinner fans. They really like
0: it. Well, I'm going to call it the, this. Episode that the true story of what happened to Leonard Skinner told by Gene Odom because you were there I know there's a lot of false stories out there and we don't really get into that But
16: there's also the movie that I did called the last 72 hours of Leonard Skinner. That's a, That's none of that Artemis BS, book you know in that movie that his movie was 100% Garbage it's good and, and people still watch it
0: and how could they watch that?
16: Uh, Amazon or Netflix, I think it's on there. it's called the Last 72 Hours of Leonard Skinner, Last you can pull it up. Yeah.
0: Okay. So everybody go check that out. You've also, I believe, wrote a wrote a book, right?
16: I wrote a couple of books, yeah, and it's called Leonard Skinner, Remembering the Free Birds of Southern Rock. Amazon has it, Random House, Broadway Books, and you can get that from Broadway Books, Random House on Amazon, called Free Birds of Southern um, Leonard Skinner, Remembering the Freebirds of Southern Rock. I wish I'd had one i brought with me.
0: And then you also have shirts, right?
16: I'm not selling my white t-shirt, but... <laughs> I have some shirts, yeah. Uh, I want, I have one that says, uh, Old Leonard Skinner Music Still Kicks Ass. And it has all of the dead men, dead people on the front. The, their names are on the shirt. That and I have one, uh, Hell House t-shirt. And I have one that... Um, um, I'm on... I'm going to find some way to make me a page to put these things on it, put these shirts on it, but uh, the, the best one I have is the uh, old Leonard Skinner music still kicks ass because people... Uh, I, I would it, love to get me old Leonard Skinner It Old Leonard Skinner music still kicks ass after all these years, you know, and that's a testament to Ronnie's writing mm-hmm. and the other guys' music, you know, and other, with Alan and Gary, they, they were songwriters, Ed King, Steve Gaines, but Ronnie wrote most of the lyrics you know, and uh, it's a testament to w- what they did. And to this day, they never wrote a bad song. All of their songs can still be heard on the radio.
0: Mm-hmm.
16: Very few people can say that their songs are being heard on the radio 50 years later. That's true. They? And yeah. I
0: mean, Alabama changed this like, little slogan when you entered to sweet home Alabama. So mm-hmm. it's like... Yes, sir. I read Bob Tilly. I wonder yeah. what Ronnie would have thought about that.
16: He'd be humbled. He'd be humble as he could be, you know. If he tried to do something bad, he'd just, he'd just, he'd just, he he just, he wouldn't make no scene of it, you know.
0: Now, me and my girlfriend, we saw Leonard Skinner. Uh, this was a couple of years ago, and this is my personal opinion. It was watching a giant cover band. It was, it wasn't, it didn't feel authentic to me. And I remember saying that out loud to my girlfriend, that it didn't feel right. There was something, I mean, it wasn't Ronnie it was it was just like a a giant cover band and and uh that's
16: what they are they're a tribute band they were established in 1987 as a tribute band mm-hmm. tribute band tribute, tribute incorporated tribute inc. and ain't gonna change nothing Yeah. you know you can put lipstick on a pig it's still a pig <laughs> you know
0: and then like what do you think ronnie would think today about like cancel culture like i know that that i mean behind him the the rebel flag used to be something like this he used to it was stood for Southern pride, you know. And today they would they would cancel this or they would say like they're racist. But in my opinion, and I've I've actually debated people, they're like that music is racist. I said why? Have you listened to their music? If you listen to the Ballad of Curtis Lowe, I mean, you would see that that I don't think Ronnie had a racist bone in his body.
16: Ain't nothing, nothing racist about them. There was only one band member in that band that was racist, and I'm not going to say his name. It wasn't mm-hmm. Ronnie Van Zandt, believe me. It wasn't Alan Collins. <clears throat> you think he would have put a
0: American flag or a Trump twenty twenty four flag? You think he would be a Trump supporter today? Certainly,
16: guarantee it. It's like yeah. Johnny and Donnie are. You know, Judy. She's a Democrat because when the Democrats get rich, uh, people get rich. They think they're you know they're, they're above people, mm-hmm. and that's what Democrat dem- democracy for the Democrats is all about. Is that you know, when you get rich, every one of them get rich. All of them billionaires, they're all Democrats because they think they're better than everybody else. They're gonna they're gonna look down on the peons because we're rich, we're famous. Ronnie Vance and Johnny and Donnie. Somebody said that about Johnny and Donnie because Judy was a Democrat. I said, drive out to Johnny and Donnie's house and see who signs in the front yard. <laughs> I know who signs in the front yard. Trump. You know, especially young people, they're misguided because of the people in Washington. That's Mind control goes back to the beginning of time.
0: MK Ultra. they're using it on the masses today.
16: Oh well, yes sir, it goes way back, you know, and if you, can, if you can control their mind, you can get all of their money. And it goes way back, well, I, I shouldn't say this on there, but secret societies go back to the beginning of time and they're still here today, some of them are still here today. I can name them to you, but I'm not gonna do it on that camera. You know, one of the biggest secret societies on the planet it's the biggest church, I ain't going to name it, system in the world. It's one of the biggest secret societies to ever exist. And it's mind that's control. True. If they can control your mind, they can get all of your money.
0: Yeah. You know? So, I mean, like a lot of people think that every musician is in the Illuminati, is what they say. But I know that that's not true because I've been in the music industry. And, and you could set the record straight that Ronnie
16: wasn't in the Illuminati. That's not a real thing. Ronnie would none of that. Yeah. You know, he would he, he 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 would know about it. He would be educated about it, but he would not stick his foot in it. Either way, none of that. And um, the Democrats of old mm-hmm. and these new ones they they, don't, they they don't show their true colors. Slavery, all of that. KKK, all of that was Democrats. Yep. Abraham Everybody, Lincoln and was and a ta- Republican. It, it, you're right. Abraham Lincoln was a Republican. And they're trying to change their, you know, be a chameleon. No, they can't. Because if they can get control of your mind, they can get control of your money and keep you under their thumb. Uh-huh. But times are different and things are different, and there's too many organizations, uh, countries. Uh, one, maybe two, one maybe, one for sure, maybe two, that could put a stop to all that. And the youth has no idea what they're facing in 5, 10, 15, 20 years. If people like the Republicans and Trump don't put their foot down, put a stop to it. Young people can't see that. But the problem with young people and Democrats is they have to be protected also somebody some bigger guy somebody with a more power has to protect them democrats youth and the older ones they have to be protected so there has to be a society and that society has to be a group of people republicans if you want to call republicans that are are willing to give their life to protect the innocent Mm -hmm. meaning the, the weak the innocent the democrats the way they think you know and uh, I'm not a politician by no means but they have to be protected somebody has to protect them us me you the military our government you see what they've done to the military but there is there's there's foes out there watching getting ready if you don't think the Chinese ain't in this country have infiltrated this country big time you're wrong mm-hmm. and they're doing it every day walking across that border Chinatown kind of the Chinese have controlled the pr- the um, prostitution market since the beginning of time. And they still control it in California and many, many places around the world. You know, you might want to edit that out there.
0: <laughs> I mean, well we cover that a lot on the show. Like that's what our show's about, is about showing that conspiracy theories aren't really conspiracy do you, theories. Do you read? Uh, sometimes, yeah.
16: Pull up the Life magazine, Love magazine, Secret Societies. The whole magazine is about secret societies that go back to the beginning of time till today. Till today.
0: I'll have to look at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because oh, yeah. like I'm, I'm really see fascinated. Who's,
16: see who's in there. Ex presidents. That's uh, Yale and Harvard. They have their own secret society. Skull and Bones. Skull and Bones is one. The other one is I can't think of other name. And who some of the members of it. Yeah, See, the
0: Bohemian Grove. Oh yeah.
16: Oh yeah. Yeah. it's, it, it's got it's, it's frightening stuff. It's, yes sir, buddy. Yes, sir. It's good it's good reading. Illuminati, how every all these things got started, how they whether where they go back to. And uh, it's really a good read.
0: Yeah. I I have to check that out. Mm-hmm. Well Thank you for being on the sh- on Skiba News Nation. So big thank you to Gene Odom for being a part of Skiba News Nation. And if you want to go on one of his tours, his email is Hang with Gene Odom at gmail.com, so, huge thank you to my new friend, Gene Odom. Now you got some memes for me, Jake?
4: Yeah, I do. Yeah, I got some, uh, some funny ones this week. Alright, meme me up. I vanished. What happened to Jeremiah? Oh no! So I guess Charlie's going to be having his own segment here on Skiba News Nation soon. He's going to uh,
0: He's gonna take have... over
4: the history segment because oh, yeah. Jeremiah is nowhere to be found, right?
0: <laughs> yep. Cat corner.
4: All right. All right. So uh, got some funny memes, some shared by Opa, some others that uh, I thought were funny. Uh, here's one. The awkward moment when you drive your Chevy to the levee isn't dry. This is what happens when you're drinking whiskey and dry. Ah, all right uh just one question why now i know this is a, a common practice down there in texas they have some crazy roads whenever we go visit we always get lost
0: yep that is a normal texas road for sure
4: oh yeah uh here's one when i retire i will have a little house on a lakeside and it's just this uh, dude sitting in a little mud pond with a tiny person house. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, been canning soup this week, getting ready for winter. Follow me for more recipes. <laughs> <laughs> Home settings more than putting an actual can in a jar. So, all right, uh, here's the how-to on building your own lunar lander. Uh, step A: Get cardboard gray tarp, drawing pins, curtain rods, aluminum foil, yellow cellophane, desk lamp shades and garbage bin lids. And there you go, you have a lunar lander.
0: Don't forget your camera to fake it all.
4: Yeah. <laughs> uh this is a horse trailer and it says caution, floor covered with political promise. <laughs> <laughs> P- political promises. Yeah, how true all right. Uh, history tends to repeat itself. In the 1950s, we had vinyl. And in 2023, what do you know, we're back with vinyl again. I, you know, honestly, I don't think vinyl ever went away. I think people have always been big vinyl collectors, fans over the years.
0: Well, all my vinyls are original. I don't, I don't like to buy the new ones. So I, I only buy originals. because, or like, like this one was Opus. So luckily, he saved his vinyls so they never went away you're right that's awesome
4: all right here's one uh right lane closed for no apparent reason back in texas once again with crazy road stuff Mm -hmm. warning weak wi-fi talk to each other pretend it's the 90s (laughs) communicate with your friends (laughs) uh here we go uh how did my father die Do you know the game, The Floor is Lava? Well, he wasn't very good. (laughs) Oh, that's pretty dark. (laughs) Poor Anakin, right? Mm
12: -hmm. Uh,
4: Genders are like the Twin Towers. There used to be two of them, and now it's a sensitive topic. (laughs) I sent you that For some people. (laughs) Yeah, that was a good one. Uh, Your vibe attracts your tribe. My tribe looks like these people. Conspiracy theorist vibe? I guess so. Uh, here's another Star Wars meme for us. Sierra and I have been watching the new Star Wars show that's recently come out. Uh, so, had to include these. 3PO, engage! As you wish, maker. Yeah, it's like the the Star Wars twist. If, uh, Anna, you know, Darth Vader was like, C-3PO, remember I made you. And uh, he turned him against him. It would have been a big twist, but uh, of course... It didn't happen that way. Uh, Growing old is mandatory. Acting it is optional. Mm -hmm. Got a hot rod old person cart there.
0: That's my cart. Yep, that's Opus.
4: Spy cart, yeah. Hey, I I think riding around on those things are pretty fun. So you don't have to be old to ride around on those little carts. Uh, Every once in a while, Sierra will go to the grocery store and be like, Today I don't feel like walking. I'm going to ride in one of those little go mobiles. (laughs) Yep. Um, uh, Has anyone tried unplugging the United States and plugging it back in just to see if it'll fix it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Adam confused by new creature God put in garden as he is not a biologist. Yeah, that's not how it happened, Uh, but it's funny. Uh... (laughs) I knew joining ancestry.com would be a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> Find out who you're really related to, right? Yeah. Oh, how, what a creepy picture. Uh, here's a, a, a failed mobile coffee house design. <laughs> uh, when you slide it open, instead of saying Starbucks, it says sucks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and Justin life's not fair get over it so (laughs) all right guys uh that's all the memes this week
0: well jake thank you for another great current news and memes as always open thank you for another great opus corner i hope you guys enjoyed our exclusive interview with gene odom uh we hope you enjoyed today's episode never quit fighting let no man deceive you thank you for standing alongside us as we fight for justice and continue our quest for truth subscribe and stay tuned if you would like to Topic or have any other inquiries, please email submit at skibanewsnation.com. Also, you can email Jeremiah Skiba personally at jeremiah at skibanewsnation.com. Also, email Jake personally at Jake at skibanewsnation.com. If you want to write us a letter, send us something, help support us, or just say hi, please send your letter to Jeremiah Skiba, P.O. Box 560 271, The Colony, Texas 75056. If you write us a letter, I'll do my best to write you back. Hey Skiba News Nation family, thank you for watching. Please like, share, subscribe, and click that notification bell so you never miss an episode of Skiba News Nation. If you want to help support us, please consider becoming a Patreon, where you will get exclusive content, shout-outs, and much more. And you can also support our channel by getting yourself some new Skiba News Nation merch. Thank you for coming on this journey with us as we continue to stay on the quest for truth. Huge shout out to all our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do this show without you. If you want to help support us, go to patreon.com forward slash Nation. Also, you can listen to Skiba News Nation podcast on your favorite podcast platform.